Welcome to the 96th episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today, we'll be breaking down anime that aired during the ninth week of, a, of the spring 2019 season. As always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and podcast feed. If you only want to hear, like, I guess about one, because you're a casual and you only watch one anime a season. Um, that's the best way my, to do it. Just pick the best no, anime. No, that's not. <laughs> Fuck you. Filthy casuals. Fuck you and the, and the horse you rode in on if you do that. My, my name, yeah. My name is Kat, and everybody wants to find out what is in the basement in Attack on Titan. But be warned, I will have to kill you if you find out what I keep in mind. <laughs> <laughs> also with me are Leo and Beacom. What's up? Hey, what's up? How you guys doing? I, for a second, I thought you were going to do like a weird she-wolf in your closet, like <laughs> overplay with that. And I was like, what is this going to be? I'm uh, glad it didn't go there. Uh, no, nah, nothing, nothing that sinister. <laughs> Jesus. No, just kill them, people. Uh, <laughs> mm. Had fun writing that one. Much less sinister. Yeah, we're <laughs> finally finding out what's in the basement this week. So look forward to that later this oh, episode. Oh, God. But you know it's not that simple. They're going to they're gonna tease it for more time. Uh, oh, is that a spoiler for our episode? They tease <laughs> it some fucking more. They do. They do spend they, a lot of time walking slowly oh, towards worry, the basement. Kat, I made sure to be like, and then they saw a broken teddy bear. And that symbolized the kids killed. And then the broken down house. And then they were collecting four plates and two cups. Uh, and they get, and they get to this one part, and I'm like, just tell us what's in the goddamn thing. And they're just like, but we did find this. And then they just pan away, and you're like, what was it? What was it, bitch? And, oh. So that'll start oh. right up after that halfway point, if you yeah. want to just skip to that immediately. <laughs> Uh, it seems like it's going to be a fun segment. Uh, I feel like Kat's going to interrupt me a lot when I'm doing that one. <laughs> yeah. um, we could talk about some nonsense we got up to this week. Uh, how about Leo? You start first. Okay, so uh, JD and I on the Anime Radicals Network, we uh, did an episode over E3 and basically covered a lot of Microsoft and a little bit of everybody else and tried to hit the more popular games and the ones we thought were more popular. So that... Hmm should be out before this episode so go check that out it'll be really cool cool and then after okay. that very cool i went to jd's podcast the red leaf retrocast and we did a may gaming one basically he just told me the like the five or six so games he played and i asked questions about him and he played some really crappy ones and some really good ones <laughs> and then one that i'm probably going to check out when i if i ever get downtime from gaming anymore uh <laughs> yeah because as we say multiple times, this September and next March are so next year's March are so stupidly stacked. It's I don't even I don't even know if we'll be done with all the September stuff by the time March rolls around. It's I wouldn't worry too much about March because I, I assume some things will get delayed like they always do, but September does seem pretty stacked. September's pretty bad. <laughs> but yeah. that's what I got up to. So if everybody go check out the anime radicals and then go check out the JD's podcast, the Red Leaf Retrocast. You guys- you have to support Leo. It's his debut into society. <laughs> what? He's finally he's finally making himself available. We bought him a nice dress and everything. <laughs> I know. We we put a bow in his yeah, hair. Yeah, I did my yeah. hair and everything. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Kat, did you have anything you wanted to talk about nonsense-wise? Anything interesting oh. happened yesterday? Okay, yeah, okay. So that we had to delay the recording a day <laughs> <know>. because. <laughs> oh my god! So like, I went to walk my dog right before we were going to record yesterday, and my neighbor has just gotten a new dog from the fucking pound. And I mean, I love all dogs, um, but this dog is rather aggressive with other dogs. And like, I was just walking outside my house. The dog sees my dog, Ruby, and is like, attack! And like, (laughs) (laughs) just lunges and like clamps his jaws around her throat. And so I, I would, I have like a secret weapon. I would classify this as a, a weapon in my arsenal. <laughs> so sure, I uh, have, secret banshee skills. <laughs> yeah, I have a scream that is unlike, I think, anyone's scream you've probably heard. I don't know why it's so loud. I don't know how I got this. It's just an ability <laughs> that I pulled out of the hat when I was born. I don't fucking know. But if if I'm really angry at you, if I'm pissed off, or if you, like, surprise me and, like, scare the fuck out of me, I will let out a scream that, like, will break the sound barrier. Like, people <laughs> will come out of the house across the street and be like, what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> windows will shake. Like... I don't know why. <laughs> oh, man. So you unleashed this wicked yes. scream. It, it's almost like a Pokemon move. Like, cat used scream or shriek or whatever. Oh, what's <laughs> it, it from? It was super effective. Uh, Kung Fu Hustle, like, the lion's roar. You guys ever oh, seen yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cat. <laughs> so I'm like screaming this loud fucking blood curdling scream and I'm whacking this dog like on the top of its head and like wedging myself in between my dog and that dog and trying to get it off my dog's throat. And this lady's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, ah! and I'm like hitting it. <laughs> <laughs> and literally everyone on the ground floor like that was home came out their fucking houses <laughs> like what the fuck's happening who is Jeez. being murdered outside right <laughs> who now who is being murdered oh man and so finally got the dog separated luckily my dog is a husky so she's like a lot of hair so she got a bruised throat but she didn't actually break her skin um and you know it was a whole mess and you know People had to be called, and it was. But the the funniest part was just the scream, because because man, I think there were people across the way that were probably like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> I haven't screamed like that in a while. I forgot I could do that, <laughs> but I was equally as embarrassed by it as I have always been. I, I don't know what deep part of me is able to make that noise. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I've also been. Yeah, I, I've also uh, been watching a show called Gentleman Jack this week huh, from okay. HBO. Um, and it's fun. It's it's basically about this, like, lesbo in the 1800s in England who's like, you know, I'm going to find a wife. And it's actually historical, which is hilarious, because I didn't know it was historical when I started watching it. And, um, yeah, it's like she she's like a she's like a ladies man, except she's a lady. And she just goes around and sleeps with a bunch of ladies. Damn. And, uh, Ooh. Yeah, and, and she it's actually historical. She had the first um, lesbian marriage that was ever done in England. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Huh. Yeah. I did not know that that was a thing. But it's also just hilarious because there's a lot of her being like, 
<laughs> and then I went to this country and I fucked a bunch of married women. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and then her like just scaring the shit out of a bunch of like 18th century dudes who aren't used to being told what's what by a woman. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty fun. No, she it sounds like fun. Yeah. Very interesting hairstyle in that show. <laughs> yeah. So. Huh. But yeah, so what about you, become? Uh, I did some like E3 inspired gaming uh, the past few days. Uh, so there was this big announcement for Super Smash Brothers that uh, Banjo Kazooie is a new character. Um, and I'd always just been meaning to get back to playing Banjo Kazooie and just finally like seeing if I, I actually wanted to finish that, that on the Xbox yeah. the other day. And I'm and I was in the party <laughs> with my buddy Kyle, and I go, Becom was playing Banjo Kazooie right now, and we just had like a little laugh about it. We're like, why is he playing that? I mean, <laughs> it's just an odd one. <laughs> it's a great question. So yeah, it was because it was on my mind from E3 and. I'd always wanted to just like finish that game because um, I'd started playing it a few times and never gotten too far. And so I was just like, all right, I'm going to mainline my way through this game. And it's it holds up like surprisingly well for being like an N64 game and then like an Xbox Live arcade game on Xbox 360. Um, and it has like it got like a 4K texture update, which actually makes it look quite a bit better, too. Um and so, yeah, like, I was really enjoying that game up until, like, the last part of it, where it just turns into, like, nightmare fuel. Uh, there's just, like, all these levels that, like, start asking you to, like, do stuff, and if you, if you like, fall off, like, a tree, it's this, it's this big connected level that is, like, a tree, and it's in four different seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. And so, like, you have to do certain things in spring so that in summer, like, plants will have grown so you can get to different parts of the level and feed this, like, baby eagle and all this stupid stuff. I don't know. It's 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 interesting <laughs> game design, but the problem is, like, it's a really annoying tree to, like, platform up and, like, you constantly fall off. And when you fall off and die, you lose progress on certain things and you have to go back to the last season. So that was annoying. And then, like, the very, like, the, the penultimate level of the game is a quiz show conducted by this witch, Gruntilda, who is, like, the big bad. She's, like, the main boss. Uh, and uh, the quiz show, she, like, asks you questions about, like, the game up to that point. And she shows you, like, really blurry images. And she's like, where in the game have you been? And it's like, I have no idea where the fuck in the game this was. <laughs> so I kept getting have these things been? wrong and dying. Does she fucking have, like, an accent or something? She talks in rhymes all the time. <laughs> yeah, Everything oh, she shit. says is a rhyme. <laughs> Uh, but like, there's no uh, spoken dialogue. Instead of it's just noises like. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's so annoying. What? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not joking. That's, I'm that's not an joking. old. What the that's fuck? an old game the, the, for you, Cat. That's not really unusual. <laughs> yeah, and the band. Also, the, if I got to the end of the game and the last fight was just remembering the rest of the game, well, it's not I the last fight. Gypped as fuck. It was, I would be like, give me back half my money. Well, that so you put it's not. This at the end. It's not quite the last okay. fight because you you do win the game show eventually, and then you save your little sister and take her back home, and the credits roll, and then then they're like, oh, but you can go defeat the witch now if you want, and like so you go after the credits roll. Yeah, <laughs> after, what the fuck? 
it's like it's like a weird short version of the credits because it was like a quiz show you were on and so it's credits for the characters who took part in the quiz show and then later in the game there's another credit sequence that's the actual credits after you beat the witch bullshit and then these people need to be punished <laughs> well, in some way. They're, they've moved on to many things. <laughs> they made this game a long time ago. Um, but yeah, the last thing that's really annoying if you want to get like the 100% achievement is you have to solve these seven... Uh, so you have like pictures, right? And they turn into jigsaw puzzles and the pieces fly everywhere and you have to put it back together under a certain amount of time. And those are really freaking annoying to get the last achievement. It took me a while to do that and I was pissed. But anyway, finish Banjo Kazooie. I never have to play it again. <laughs> That's basically my attitude. Uh, and then the other thing I played from E3 was the Forza Horizon 4 DLC Lego Speed Champions, uh, which was really fun. They basically made like another medium sized Forza map, and it's like almost entirely made of Legos. And so, like, you're, like, blasting through Lego trees, and they, like, break into, like, different Lego parts and fly everywhere. Um, as you, like, finish challenges and stuff, you get more Lego bricks, and then, like, you you get, like, a huge Lego mansion that continuously builds, like, cool stuff. Um, and you get, oh, like, neat. three Lego cards to, like, basically roll around in. It's pretty fun. Yeah, okay. I just I thought it was really cool how they would like smash through stuff and the Legos would go everywhere. I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And there, there's certain points in the game where the everything is awesome or is the uh, thing plays from like the Lego movie. Um, and yeah, that's that's fun. I recommend like checking that out, especially if it goes down in price a little bit later. But uh, the last thing I want to say, Whisper of the Heart. Uh, is my favorite Ghibli movie, and there's a Fathom event for it on July 2nd, if you want to see it subtitled. I think it's July 1st if you want to watch the dub like a heathen. Uh, But if you want to see it the real way, July 2nd, go see Whisper of the Heart in theaters. It's a great movie, and that's all I want to say. Yeah, people who only want to watch dubs, I I shudder at you. I I understand that it's a cultural difference and that we may never understand each other, but I just I just can't. I, why? <laughs> why do you do this? Those are my British friends, unfortunately. Uh, sometimes they're fine. Like sometimes the dubs are fine, but I just almost always I mean, prefer the direction, the voice direction of the Japanese cast. There, there are some dubs that are fine, but like there are also some dubs that are god awful pieces of shit. <laughs> well, yeah. And I'm just like, what? What are we doing? What are we doing? Speaking of doves that are... Actually, no, I think the dove for Fruits Basket is pretty good um, from what I've seen from the new one. Uh, I haven't watched too many episodes of it, but what I have seen, the dub sounds fine. So, Fruits Basket is like a super simple show. How can you fuck up the dub, honestly? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's very it's very nostalgia-based simple. It's like, mm-hmm. and on this episode of, like, Snuggly Fun Time... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it, actually, it's a link to the dark stuff. That is wearing yeah. on me pretty bad. And right now at this point. I, I love how we're probably going to end covering this before any of the interesting shit actually happens. <laughs> I hope not. We'll see. It depends how many great shows there are next season. It really depends on that. Um, but yeah, tell us you about know. episode nine. Okay. So, episode nine, Yuki was my first love. So. At the very beginning, you see this new character who looks all cool, and he's, like, kind of posing, and two girls go by, and they're like, ah, I 
wish I could ask him out. But then he rides off on his fucking bike like a loser. Ching, ching. And you're like, he rings the bell on it. Yeah, ching, yeah. Ching. And they're it's like, great. oh, like, fuck that. Um, and then, you know, the episode starts off with uh, Toru going to the store and getting groceries. And then Kyo and Yuki go with her, but they just sit outside and fight while she does all the fucking shopping. And I'm like, what the hell? Go in and be useful. If you have time to scream at each other on the street, then go inside and help her shop. You got to look at it from Toru's point of view, okay? She told him to stay outside because she didn't want to bring two kids who were going to fight the whole time into the store with her. You know what? Maybe, maybe they should just shut their fucking mouths and just help her and just focus on the task at hand. Ugh. Look, they got they have things to fight about, you know? They, they don't have time for grocery shopping. <laughs> They they it's, they don't have enough time in their day to be fucking morons. They they need more time <laughs> apparently. Anyway, the three of them go home, and it becomes clear like Yuki has this cold. He's getting sick. Um, and Yuki's like, I can't take it easy though, cause the marathon's tomorrow at school. And Kyo's like, a marathon, and he freaks out, and mm-hmm. he's like, I'm gonna beat you, Yuki. And Yuki's like, Well, I have a cold, so yeah. That's I mean, what's your sense of honor, unfair. man? Come on. I know. And he's like, fuck honor. It only matters that I beat you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, but, and then, uh, you know, they they point out that Zodiac animals transform when they get physically ill and, uh, like, weak. And so Yuki should really be careful because, you know, you don't want to be running down the street and then just poof into a rat. That, that might be a little... <laughs> A little problematic. Traumatic yeah. um, for your classmates to see, honestly. Yeah. And then Toru's like, I don't feel like I can say anything, even though it's a bad idea. And I'm like, why? You have a mouth. <laughs> You're next to him. Say it. <laughs> but no, she doesn't. And then, um, yeah. <laughs> then it becomes the day of the race. And these, like, I love how Toru is talking to Yuki before the race. And then these jealous bitches come. Yeah. And they're like, why are you talking to him with your mouth parts? <laughs> and like, pull her away. Drag her away. Yeah. Kicking <laughs> And I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is what's wrong with women. Why do women always have to fight each other? I don't know. Because there's only um, one hot guy out there. Uh, only and- one in the entire world. <laughs> in the entire world. Oh, yeah. They so, must have him. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, like, Hana is is all like, oh, I don't know if I can run. And then immediately after they do the, like, starting sound, she's like, I can't go on any further. And she, like, passes out on the ground. And it's like, oh, yes, I will Honestly, walk. she's, like, the only thing I am actually find interesting in this <laughs> yeah, show. Like, her, like, so her antics do keep cracking me up a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, she ran like three steps before she was done. It was ridiculous. I love how the gym teacher's like, "I just don't fucking care. Just, just go. Do what you're like, gonna, He's like, he, walk, he, do whatever. He, just, he knows better than to fucking engage with her. He's like, just fucking let her have her way. She's just gonna make things more difficult if I try. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, so. Toru sees the new character from earlier and like laying in the grass and she kind of mistakes him for an old person because of his silver hair. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. He, yeah. <laughs> you don't actually see silver hair in like real life on like young guys typically. So yeah. Common yeah. mistake. Yeah. 
And it turns out he is a Soma, and his name is Haru. Um, and he stops Yuki and Kyo. So, like, okay. He's like, oh, wait, I see them coming. He goes out into the fucking street and ties this, like, rope. And then as Kyo comes, he's like, ha-ha, and, like, Roadrunner style, like, makes him fucking trip. <laughs> yeah. I was laughing because and- Kyo had also, like, taken off of his shoes to run faster. And I was like, is that because he's like a cat and he's like used to running on his bare feet? Or is he just dumb? <laughs> he's, like, he's just dumb. dumb. <laughs> they all have no brain. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know. Toru's like, ooh, Haru's so mature. Like, da 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 da. But then he immediately is like, Kyo, I want to fight you. And I'm just like, I don't know how fucking mature this man is. This is his first instinct just to fight someone. <laughs> um,. But yeah, Kyo doesn't get it, um, but gets really pissed. He's like, why am I angry? Because Haru makes this remark of like, I'm going to steal your girl. I'm going to steal her and make her mine and do things to her. And I lo- it okay, the, the show does this very stereotypical thing where it's like, I don't understand why I'm angry that he said that, but I am. <laughs> like, to how many anime you've seen do that become because i feel like it's mm, a billion it's gotta be in like the 50 to 60 range at least yeah, that i've seen so. <laughs> but i will give it a pass and say i probably when this was first created that was like original and unique and it's just not anymore <laughs> um yeah and apparently kyo is stronger there's like a sequence where they fight it's not very interesting to me kyo is apparently stronger um you find out that Yuki also, like, they trained together. Everyone trained for martial arts, but, like, Yuki never liked it, which is interesting because he's very good at it. Yeah. Um, but Kyo always did love it, so. I guess sometimes it's all, it's not, it's not all about what you'd like. It, it's just talent sometimes, too. Yeah, um, and Yuki's always been the one who wanted to get out of the family and probably didn't want to be doing this stuff, even if he was naturally talented. Yeah. So. And then suddenly Yuki has, like, an attack. And they immediately stop fighting because he's like, oh, I can't breathe. I'm having, like, an asthma attack or something. I can't remember if it's his heart or what it is, but he's, you know. It's basically just generally, I think he's sick. And, it's, like, it's yeah. anime disease is really what it is. <laughs> it's like he we had a all... fever the night before, basically, you know. like yeah. Well, but, like, he also has this ongoing illness that they talk about he has attacks. Oh, that's so, true. So, like, yeah. It, he has anime disease and he has a cold. So, <laughs> so Haru. Okay, this is the part that really pisses me off. So Haru decides to transform into a cow, which is like his zodiac animal, mm-hmm. so he can take Yuki home with him, since he can carry him easily that way. And a taxi would be trouble if like Yuki transformed halfway through. That makes sense. Like they can't use the taxi. Why? <laughs> and so Haru's like, "Oh, I'll hug you, Toru, and then I can change." Why wouldn't you just have Yuki hug her? Because Yuki is a fucking rat. <laughs> and, and it's like the tiniest thing ever. And then all you'd have to do is put him in a handkerchief and then you could take a fucking taxi. Two reasons. Okay, two yeah. reasons. They are still following the story of the Zodiac. And then this is a way to show that uh, uh, Hatsuharu has yeah. gotten over his distaste for Yuki. Third reason, Haru just wanted to hug a pretty girl. 
Yeah. Right. Which he pretty so much dumb. says. Like, what's, what's more conspicuous than a cow walking down the fucking road carrying a person who's collapsed on his back? I mean, it's conspicuous, yes, but the kids that were like running behind it seem to enjoy this, this is the sight of this happening. I'm just saying, they're like, well, we can't do anything cons- conspicuous. Let's do the most conspicuous thing ever to avoid this. <laughs> it's like, whatever. As you said, um, they have no brains. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, meanwhile, Hana's, Hana plays cards instead of running, and she keeps attracting more people to play, and the gym teacher's just like, please just go home. <laughs> like, <laughs> please stop. Um, they get Yuki home, and um, Shigure is like, oh, I'm going to go to the, the high school and get all of your homework. And, and of course, Tori's like, you're so like responsible. But all he's thinking about is the hot like high school girls who he'll get to see, which is, which is him. <laughs> um, and then Haru goes home. Uh, but first he admits that Yuki was his first love. And he's like very casual about it, which makes me kind of wonder like if it is really a joke or if they meant him to be sort of an ambiguous character. With his sexuality, it's kind of interesting. I don't um, know, yeah. But yeah, he, he talks about how he used to hate Yuki, because all the adults said that the cow was dumb for letting the rat ride him, and he had a lot of anger and started acting out, and that's when he got all rebellious and angry, because um, he has that black Haru side that comes out when he fights. But then he met Yuki, and even though he was like pissed and was yelling at Yuki, Yuki's just like, are you an idiot, though? And then when he said no, Yuki's was like, well, I believe you. And this helped Haru overcome a lot of his anger, um, I guess. But to me, that just feels so easy. Like, yeah. it just feels like a poo-poo, like, you know, fluffy reason. I agree. I yeah, I, I just, like, I wrote that down, too, that, like, Haru's in love with Yuki because he's the first person to actually ask him whether he was stupid or not and show the tiny, tiniest bit of compassion. <laughs> Apparently, negging still works. Anime confirmed. <laughs> uh. Shit. It's like, oh, there's all these people in this anime who've like never had anyone be nice to them ever, and then the first time like they are, boom. They're in love forever. It's so stupid. I don't know. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so uh, Haru wonders if Toru basically is... Um, changing yuki and he's he's like tori why don't you call him by his first name to test it uh, and when she does <laughs> he transforms and it's because he's so shocked and embarrassed and and like he has it fucking bad and and tori's just like oh i failed and i'm like how dense can you get you the opposite of failed you're such an idiot um and then um shigure and kyo also end up playing poker in the end with hana and they all get sick because they're all out <laughs> until late at night of course everybody gets sick when one person gets sick in japan <laughs> yeah because they're all a bunch of wimps and apparently they can't even go outside in the rain without dying it would have been better if they got rained on during their race <laughs> i would love Jesus. to see in an anime there's like a crowd of people it starts raining and they all collapse one by one in the middle of the street because they can't they oh, the rain oh no <laughs> people have to come like get them off the street with gurneys so I got really annoyed by that one part where Haru was sort of threatening to-, to do certain things to Toru. Like I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but I'm oh, reading you know it. What it's I'm reading to it mean. in a very specific way. <laughs> Come on! Why are we getting like rape threats against Toru in this anime? Because why was the made fuck in... is that a thing that's happening in what Fruits Basket? 
2000? Is that when it was made? Yeah. Because it's an old-ass anime, and that used to be acceptable. Yeah, 2001. And it's no longer acceptable. Oh, man. that's that's That was not something... I was kind of taken aback by that scene, because I was like, oh, that doesn't fit with the rest of this show are, at are all. Are you taken aback by, <laughs> by the world's dark past? Apparently. It yes. shows that Japan has a advanced a little bit i guess if you want to look at it in a positive way <laughs> it's just you know like yeah. something has like such a specific tone and, and like yeah there are some like dark things happening behind the scenes which haven't fully come to light as far as i know but just like everyday interactions like don't threaten <laughs> to do things to toru just because you want to get even with kyo or whatever who cares uh, uh, we've come so far in the world uh light-hearted rape jokes are no longer a thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it seemed to be a little bit out of uh out of date oh, but shit. yeah <laughs> uh, thoughts leo i'm so done with this show if we never watched another episode from now i would i wouldn't regret it I just uh, it's like it's definitely in a period of just like like it's not going anywhere quickly and the the past few episodes I haven't gotten much out of them yeah and like yeah. the drama isn't very drama like to me so I'm just like what's why are we watching this episode I mean I guess we learned about a new guy but we kind of did it in a boring way I feel like so yeah Whatever. And it's it's funny because like I, I now wonder how closely everything in the show is gonna follow the story of the Zodiac, like with like you know, the ox being jealous of the rat because the rat rode on his back and stuff. Like, yeah, like I I, I don't know. It's just it's very interesting. It's very interesting. We'll have to we'll have to see. I mean, we're gonna ride it out through the end of this season, see if it gets any better before the <laughs> end. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh I guess we'll move on. Sure. To some uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Golden Hell Land. Yeah. Uh, episode 33, his name is Diavolo. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say this is one of the most difficult shows I've had the right synopsis for. <laughs> it's uh, pretty hard to explain I, some of the bullshit that Yeah, that's that the happened. problem. Like, I watch a f- like two minutes, just to say two minutes of like this battle. And so then I type out, and then so-and-so did this, but then the other person countered with this, and then they did this, and then this <laughs> happened. And then I reread it, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> I could, like kind of rewrite it a little bit. It's, oh, yeah. No, it's ridiculous. It's it, like some of them, I'm just like, I'm just going to say it and don't expect me to explain how this works because... Sure, yeah. Uh, we can talk about it if it's important. <laughs> yeah. Because your guys' guess is as good as mine. So... <laughs> Dopio decides that it would be best to help the weak Bruno and try and figure out what his goals are. Dopio quickly figures out something is really wrong with Bruno. He's cold, can't seem to see and hear. But for whatever reason, he can hear Dopio and see the wound on his neck that he got from Risotto, even though it's like under his collar, mm-hmm. which gets explained in a minute why Bruno can see that shit. There's also like a little line near the beginning here where like Diavolo is talking to Dopio, like King Crimson is talking. It's like, I don't know how this happened, but Bucciarati is already a corpse. And yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> if he doesn't know how it happened, then we're never getting a fucking explanation no, for how it happened. <laughs> we're just always going to be in the dark. It's just always going to be like, well, this happened and nobody knows why. <laughs> nobody knows, but it just did. It, I will. Frustrates me. I, I know we talked about it before, out. but the best guess is that there was some weird reaction between yeah. uh Giorno's life-giving stand interacting with uh you know Diavolo's stand like uh 
you know, skipping time or resetting that time. Like there was some like weird thing that happened between that. That's the best I can think of it. But Dopio mm-hmm. helps Bruno to cross the road and quickly hides at like a median once he sees Mr. Ori at the Coliseum. Uh, Bruno is insistent that they get across and tries to go anyways. But then Dopio then gets his ring ring on. <laughs> Dude, he's just like, ring ring ring. Wait, what is that noise he does? I don't even know how to Im- yeah, I don't even know how to imitate it. <laughs> you know what's funny is that like Bruno is well, Bruno's kind of out of it at this point, but he's also like surprisingly okay with like this guy just making phone noises yeah, he, right next he, to him. But he's kind of like, "What are you doing, bro?" <laughs> uh, but he ends up answering like the phone receiver just to receive her in his hand. Uh, and he's like, why are you calling me now? He's going to figure us out, which is probably a terrible thing to say because that should immediately put Bruno on suspicions. Uh, but it also acts to stop Bruno from crossing the road because he's like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. So Giorno and Trish are actually with Mr. Osto. Mr. Also, when Giorno says, bitch, get back in the turtle. The danger still hasn't passed. Uh, I mean, I don't think he says bitch. <laughs> he I'm pretty sure he says, he get have. back in the turtle. He should have. He basically should have. No, yeah, that, I ad-libbed that part. But yeah, he's like, get back in the turtle. Uh, anyway, she came out to tell them she's getting that feeling. Because if you remember, they can uh, kind of, her and the Avolo can sense each other a little bit. Yeah, they have that same sense or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Diavolo tells Dopio that Bruno is already a corpse and can only see the souls of people now. Okay, whatever <laughs> he can. Uh, since Diavolo's soul is similar to Trish, he mistakes Dopio for Trish. Uh, <laughs> Dopio, of course, uses this to help Bruno the rest of the way into the Gossium, and they end up meeting with Polnaroff. Uh, he f- first demands to know who is the person with Bruno. Bruno says... Good question. Good question to ask. <laughs> yeah. Who is that with you? Bruno says he wouldn't have any data on her because she's Trish. You know, she's been hiding this whole time anyways. And they met her like three days ago. So like, yeah. He yeah, wouldn't which, know who she is. Which is funny because it prompt pulled her off to say, isn't that a girl's name? <laughs> yeah. I, liked, I actually like that because he's like... And then Topio thinks for a second, right? Is like... And then Diavolo tells him to say say exactly these words back to him. <laughs> it's like, is there some problem with me being a girl? And yeah, then that was I funny. like that Polaroff's like, oh, I, I guess I said something I shouldn't have. He's, <laughs> He's like, like, okay, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> is it this episode where he gets a call when they're in the middle of the fucking street? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah. We just talked about it. was ridiculous. But yes. And this, and then the part where he's like, is there a problem with me being a girl? It's just so, I love the way JoJo kind of plays with gender sometimes in odd ways. Yeah, it's so, it's more fun and lighthearted with it. And and especially with the ways that like certain discussions about this can be really triggering to people nowadays. Like this is a like a fun, lighthearted thing. And like, I love that Polnareff like apologizes for like overstepping his bounds. A little bit. Oh, I know. He's like, I'm <laughs> sorry. I couldn't see you correctly. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no. Okay. It's, it's fine. You, if you identify as a woman, that's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, so. this was written a long time ago. So it's just really interesting. He actually got this joke Right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Pornoroff then demands uh, he show him her stand. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Dopio slowly turns. And then the two suddenly both seem to recognize each other at first. Uh, this is when we get into, like, kind of a backstory on how they first encounter each other. So, while an e-job, e- e- e-jobbed, 
While in Egypt, Egypt, <laughs> Egypt. While in <laughs> Egypt, the Avolo found some of the arrowheads, uh, like five of them or something. And he met a woman named Inyaba. And if you're not familiar with her, she's one of the antagonists from uh, uh, Stardust Crusaders. Stardust Crusaders. Yeah, I was like, yeah. which one's which? <laughs> <laughs> and she ended up telling him how they actually worked. Uh, she also told him that the arrow chooses who it wants to get powers to and that those people will always, for some reason, be attracted to each other, which is something that gets said every so often that that's why stand users keep coming towards each other. This, for whatever reason, they just gravitate towards each other. Um, mm-hmm. And then it does some switching back and forth with Polnaroth and the Avolo taking turns doing the narrating. Uh, Polnaroth then begins to narrate and talks about how they heard somebody else had dug up some more of the arrowheads and he split up with Jotara to be able to more easily track down the person who had them. Uh, he eventually finds his way to a small Italy town where the crime rate had, crime rate had gone way up. Mm-hmm. You already know where we are. Uh, right. the, the Avalo then says he made two mistakes. One, thinking his crime empire was basically completed and that he somehow didn't finish Polnaroth when they finally came across each other. So like Polnaroth has all these wounds like it was both legs and an arm, and he flew off a cliff and landed on a rock. Uh, <laughs> also, yeah, he had his eye cut open too. That's why he has like he wears like a sunglass too. Where's that like weird like droopy sunglass over his one eye? <laughs> and the thing is, the show makes a point to be like, Diavolos, I don't, I don't understand how you survived, but you did." And you're like, "Yeah, he should have been like dead five times over." <laughs> <laughs> he really uh, should. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we come back to the present, and Dopio quickly disappears. And Jorno and the gang quickly realize that there are time skips happening. And then the Diavolo confronts Polnaroff. Diavolo attacks and Polnaroff uh, has figured out when it's got, uh, the time skips happens by watching the drops of blood onto his leg. So when it suddenly went from three drops to five, he knew to activate his stand and actually counter Diavolo. And that's actually, pretty smart. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And actually managed to uh, slice his right forearm. Mm-hmm. And then Polnaroff tries to escape by having his stand throw him. This is what I was talking about earlier at the beginning of this episode where you're like, and then this <laughs> happened, and then this happened, and then what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Polnaroff tries to escape by having his stand throw him, but Diavolo uses his stand to erase time and bring him back to the ground. And then as he goes in for the kill, he sees that Polnaroff has stabbed his stand with the arrow, and he's like, oh, it's emitting some kind of power. And like Polnaroff's stand, what was it? something chariot silver chariot silver yeah. chariot it's, it's like kind of like doing like this melting type thing i don't know yeah and then he has and then polnaroff tries to make his stand take the air away but diavolo quickly kills him before he can and he obtains air for himself it's in his hands uh the rest of the gang shows up to find bruno and then this mysterious figure just mm. surprises diavolo right behind him and then you see like he has like a neck tattoo of the arrow on his neck. Yeah. Or like the arrow is like sort of jammed into there or something. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole sequence at the end was really interesting to me. And I'm very curious about it because like, dude, I watched the first five minutes of the next episode and I was like, they're not going to tell us, are they? <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. Cause well, like, it was only five minutes. <laughs> he says something like, um, all right, this is my last chance to like defeat. This Diablo. is my last stand. Yeah. yeah, this is my last stand. And then you're like, yeah, he gives, he, oh. he uses the arrow on his own stand. And I was like, uh, does does using the arrow on your own stand like separate it from your body or something? Or because like 
my my theory is that the thing that is walking away from Diavolo at the end there, the only thing that could have gotten up there in this time would have been like some re- reincarnation of the silver chariot stand. Like he used the arrow on it and sort of was like reborn uh, like anew or something. But then it, if he's dead, is it tied to him? Is it like well, his soul is in it or something? I don't know. Well, didn't he say like, are, are you afraid to fight yourself? So like maybe somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking was at like the- two versions of the, of the same person somehow. And like, that's why he was able to come back. Because we know that, you know, obviously he's been reborn. So, yeah, I was trying to figure out the character design. He has some very unique uh, features on him. Like, he has these odd shoulder pads, which mm-hmm. looked familiar to me, but I couldn't figure them out. They may, maybe they were kind of like silver chariots, but he was wearing the hat that, uh, what's his name, always wore the grandpa. Oh, uh, Josuke? Or wait, no, not Josuke. Uh, Jonathan Joestar? Yeah, I think it's Jonathan. Yeah. 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 So, like, I don't know what's. It was really confusing to me. Yeah, we don't, we don't have no idea. It's all speculation <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it's all speculation, but it is really curious. And they did say at some point, either this episode or last episode, like, understanding how the arrow works is the way to defeat Diavolo. So I'm sure it'll all be revealed eventually. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, well, like, off- like they fucking have revealed how he became a zombie. No, they're not. We're just going to be in the dark forever. Well, Polnaroff also said, Polnaroff also said he couldn't handle the power of the uh, arrow anymore. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. That could that could lead to something else. But you see, mm, we'll no, Kat, certain things just aren't that important. You don't have to worry your pretty little head about it. <laughs> I guess. All right, let's move on. Next episode, I really liked this episode of Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba. Episode 9, The Tamari Demon and the Arrow Demon. Um, so yeah, this episode begins with the fight with I'll these say two demons. Tamari Demon's, Demon's pretty hot until she grows those extra arms. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. It turns into Goro. Yeah. Uh, so I want to take a second to well, talk. The idea oh. for having more hands doesn't like turn make it even better. I mean... Now she can do even more things, Leo. She seemed a little too young for me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I, was I, just, I just thought she was hot because she's fit as fuck. But <laughs> oh, she is. She is really cute, um, especially when she like uh, throws off her cloak halfway through the fight. Especially when she's like just has the bloodlust of a thousand suns and is just cackling maniacally. I mean, how cute is that? That's, that's my kind of girl. <laughs> I know. It's like, come on. So, um, Tamari, which is what this demon girl is named for, it, this is like a craft that began in China but was introduced to Japan in like the 7th century AD. Tamari basically means handball in Japanese, uh, but they're like traditionally these like embroidered things from pieces of old kimonos and they got like used as children's toys originally but then like most japanese art forms like it became a huge competition to see who could create like the most beautiful perfect tamari and it takes like a lot of training now to be recognized as like a tamari craftsman and stuff so those are the balls so is it kind of like is it kind of like the elizabethan dolls that like were really like that where you would never play with one yeah, well, these are like meant to be played with toy. originally, but now, yeah, exactly. Like if if they're originally were meant to be played with, but then they became so 
valuable that you never touch them. <laughs> That's kind of how these yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Like, like have you ever seen those Elizabethan dolls where like they're so highly crafted that like of course you'd never let a child touch it. Right. But like, what's the point of having this child's toy that <laughs> yeah. no child will ever touch? <laughs> So with all that said, this demon girl is using two of these Tamari to throw like through the thin wood walls of Tamayo's house and attack everyone. And we find out the arrow demon's name is Yahaba and the Tamari demon's name is Susamaru. So Yahaba is particularly sensitive to the, the dust being created by the Tamari and he's getting annoyed that it's like splattering all over his Komodo. And like, even though he can't see, he can sense like the house and everyone within it, we find out. Um, Susamaro throws like a particular Telekinesis. Nasty- it's telefucking kinesis. Just well, yeah, basically, yeah. Say it. Okay. <laughs> um, Susamaro throws this like particularly nasty set of Tamari, which like curve and ricochet all over the main room in the house. And like, one just takes like a complete 90 degree left turn, which shouldn't be possible physically. And it just takes Yushiro's head clean off. That's like the the boy who's like in love with uh, Tamayo. Who those are like a mosquito pop or yeah. something. Like, and so Tanjiro has Nezuko take like the woman who they had sleeping in the back room down to the basement uh, to like protect her. And Tamayo asked him to do this. And so then Tanjiro is left alone to begin to fight Susamaru, who he realizes her scent, like her demon scent, is like way thicker than anyone he's encountered before, which means she's stronger. Um, and he also uses this new water breathing technique, like a thrusting attack called drop ripple thrust curve to pierce through one of the Tamari balls. But like when he pierces through it, <laughs> It just flies right off his sword. Like, it didn't do anything. Drop um, Ripple Thrust Curve is the name of your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind that. It's pretty unique, no, honestly. This, this joke will never get old. We'll be saying this. We should release a series for every one of these who have to make a new sex tape. <laughs> that's going to have some good no. Google SEO. Like, got Drop yeah, Ripple Thrust Curve. If anybody's wondering, that's uh, specifically from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Which is a hilarious <laughs> show. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of Yushiro, his head just starts to grow back because, you know, he's a demon and all. Uh, and, like, as soon as he's grown back, like, his mouth, he doesn't even wait for his full head. He starts talking to Tamayo about how, like, I warned you that my blindfold technique wouldn't be able to hide the house from Muzan Kibutsuji if there are too many people inside, like, who they could smell, basically. Um, so Yushiro is like super pissed and once he gets his full head back he's ready to battle and so Susamaro like I said throws off the top of her cloak to reveal like a sports bra and like jacked arms and tells them they should be honored to be defeated by one of the 12 demon moons who are like Kibitsuji's closest servants is it, she then, is it yeah. become are you attracted to women in sports bras as much as I am there's something like hot about that I don't know why uh not necessarily, like, I don't think, like, there's anything in particular about a sports bra that's, like, super attractive, but, like, typically... Maybe it's all the extra skin. I don't know. I don't mm. know, like, I'm attracted to women wearing all sorts of clothes. I don't know. <laughs> I am, too, but that one, for whatever reason, stands out a little bit. Just, like, seeing a nice fit girl adjust a sports bra is just, like... Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, now you know how to get Leo uh, girls out there. Just, <laughs> just wear a fucking sports bra. It'll be all for you. Um, so yeah, like we said, she sprouts like four more arms for a total of six. 
And so avoiding six of the Tamari balls can be really tough for Tanjiro. It's also tough for the animators who they actually used a CGI model of him briefly during this fight to like show everything that was happening in the room. And honestly, it looked pretty good because like it, it would take like a trained eye to kind of spot it uh, because it's like mixed in with some really fantastic animation of him like jumping around the room. And it's just they use it for like a brief like five for ten second cut as the balls are flying around, which would have been ridiculously hard to animate otherwise. So, yeah, um, yeah give him the pass for now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tanjiro can smell the scent of the Tamari because it's like slightly different from the demons, but it's still not enough. And then Yushiro's like, all right, you idiot. And he like throws like a talisman at Tanjiro's head and it gifts him his sense of sight. And then Tanjiro can see what's actually happening. The, the arrow demon is directing the Tamari with his arrows. Like he's like sending them every which way with the control of his arrows. And so that's the key to stopping them. Um, and so Nezuko reemerges from the basement and she and Tanjiro like run outside and he orders her to attack the arrow demon in the trees. And uh, when Nezuko kicks him a few times, the arrows like disappear from Tanjiro's sight. And he's able to finally like attack all of the Tamari with this like flowing dance move. And also cut off all of six of Susamaro's arms. And like the animation, this whole sequence as he's running from the arrow Tamari up the side of the house and like cutting through everyone, everything is just freaking awesome. Like it's like. Man, Ufotable is, like, doing an incredible job animating this at this point. Um, Everything about this anime is just so fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the colors of everything, like, the the water blade attacks are just so great in comparison to, like... And just, like, the way that the girl's, uh, the Tamari Demon's hair, like, pops and everything, and, like, the blood. The water attacks, that's self-shading, right? It seems like it is. At least it's, like, very heavily, like... um, has heavy black lines uh, on the outside mm-hmm. of it. It almost looks like, yeah, like a Borderlands thing invading. Borderlands <laughs> or what was that one? Uh, Zelda. Oh, uh, Wind Waker. Yeah. 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 yeah, both of those came to mind when I see, whenever I see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Tandra's next priority is to extract blood from these demons since they're very closely related to Muzan. Uh, and that's what Tamayo said would help uh, discover potentially like a cure to turn demons back into humans and so at this point in the episode i give them the break there's like some waffling around to like pad the episode out but like they've done so much amazing animation up to this point that i'm like all right that's cool we can chill for a second and figure out what happens happens next and so susamaro grows her arms back because she's a powerful demon she can grow them back quickly and then like yushiro and tamayo decide like they'll attack her with nezuko and then tanjiro will take on the arrow demon um Nezuko also pictures Tamayo and Yushiro looking like her dead mother and little brother, which may or may not have something to do with her hypnotization, but makes her want to fight more fiercely. Hypnotization? Is yeah, that a like, word? I think it is. Like when you've been <laughs> hypnotized? <laughs> not I created Hip, it. Uh, how do you spell this? I'm going to Google this. <laughs> Google does. Wait, Google has like a defined hypnotization. It would be like hypnotism. Hypnotism. Yeah, her hypnotism. With her hypnotism. Yeah. yeah, it's possible, yeah. Uh, Tanjiro runs at Yahaba and even says an opening... Th- he says, like, an opening thread directing his blade to the demon's throat is there. But Okay, like, it's a hypnotization. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's to put in a state of hypnosis. Why wouldn't it be hypnotism? <laughs> that sounds so much fucking better! 
you just you guys are so upset that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> what a haughty bitch. Look at Beacon. So yeah, Yahaba's arrow powers are really impressive though. Like he basically throws an arrow like underneath Tandra's feet as he's being charged at, which slides him away just enough that his strike doesn't reach him. And then like he uses a bunch more to just like basically toss him around the yard. Like I was thinking of like the Harry Potter movie where he gets thrown around on a cursed broomstick like every which way because that's basically what was happening to Tandro. like especially if you couldn't see the arrows you would just look like he's a fucking idiot like <laughs> flying back and forth through the sky ramming into trees um and so Yushiro is able to make himself invisible that's part of his blindfold power which allows him to land some hits on Susamaru and then he like yells at her for hurting Tamayo his beloved. And then uh, the arrow demon realizes this must be Tamayo the fugitive, who will be a really good souvenir to bring back to Muzan, so they fight even harder. But so Nezuko tries to kick one of the Tamari back at Susamaru, and that was a bad idea, because her leg just gets cut off at the knee. Yeah. <laughs> and I like this, though, because Susamaru made a joke. She's like, oh, I also like Kamari. And I was like, all right, what the <laughs> fuck is Kamari? So Kamari is this Japanese game similar to juggling a soccer ball. It's like an ancient Japanese game, uh, which if you look it up on YouTube, I was telling Leo this yesterday, like it's <laughs> you find some like Japanese uh, men in like traditional clothing trying to <laughs> juggle soccer balls and being really bad at it. <laughs> yep. Oh, very nice. Very entertaining sport, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what her joke was about, like, because, like, Nezuko tries to kick this and cuts her leg off. Um, it explodes her leg off. <laughs> explodes, yeah, basically, yeah. And so Tamayo, like, quickly tries to inject Nezuko with some medicine to help heal her leg back. And then Tandro is like, I got to think of a way to get a hit in on this damn arrow demon. And even he himself, like, stops to think, like, but I'm really creeped out by those eyeballs on his hands. <laughs> um, but he, he figures it out eventually. He uses like a mixture of like three of his water breathing techniques all at once to like envelop the arrows in water and like so they can't reach him and then like use his footwork to get close to Yahaba and then slice through his neck and like as the credits roll and like it's a pretty badass slice because like you see like the dude's eye like starting to fly out of his socket and shit <laughs> like it's yeah, pretty well, good it also wasn't clear if it was like a complete decapitation either yeah it was, it was i don't know it was pretty bad though regardless he'll be out of commission for a, a little bit i think so enough yeah. to probably fight the uh the other girl and defeat her man that was an uh, action-packed episode though and I like say from previews yeah. i think it's uh nezuko who actually ends up going up against her Oh, that like makes he, sense. I've seen some screenshots. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Nezuko yeah. will actually do something useful. Woo! <laughs> oh, Maybe. Jesus. No, the action in this episode was great. It was so gorgeously directed, and, like, it had so much weight to it. Um, and I just thought that both of these enemies were, like, really interesting. Like, things that, like, you've probably seen in other, like, anime like Naruto or something before, but I hadn't seen something this cool for a while. Like, this is just, like, a really well-thought-out combination of villains. Like, this girl who can throw these, like, balls all over the place, and this guy who is blind but can sense everything and can send those balls exactly where they need oh, yeah, to go. Oh, yeah, they're totally made up to yeah. be a team, for sure. It's a, great, it's a great team, and it's, like, hard to defeat them. Of course, at this point, like... 
I st- I'm starting to think that uh, Tanjiro is a little bit of a Gary Stew. Like, he could just do anything. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he did, like, train for, like, a year to cut a boulder and oh, whatever. But A year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but he is, uh, it seems like his, he always comes up like a new water-breathing form to defeat whatever is in his way. And I so, don't think they're new. I think they're just ones he knows. He just hasn't done them yet. True, yeah. He had, They never, like, sat down and told us, like, here's all the water-breathing forms. All Yeah, 35 or something. So we don't know what number there is as of yet, I guess. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Uh, anything else about this episode? That is it. Oh, I think we're we're good for now. Okay. Can we talk about I some really other demons? I really just kept staring. I, I really just kept staring and be like, "Ooh, that was pretty." And that was pretty too. <laughs> I agree. That's really. <laughs> it was a really pretty episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Doro, episode twenty-one: the story of breaking the cycle of suffering. Sounds good. <laughs> and all I could he- think when I heard the breaking the cycle is like. Breaking the habit. Oh my god, no. I haven't heard that song in so long. It is now in your head. It's so far in your skull. You'll never get it out. (laughs) Never. Uh, But yeah, so Yakimaru continues his journey to get his body back. They see uh, Asakura scouts coming from Daigo's land, and Yakimaru's like, it's my body is there and like follows and in da- Daigo's land more villages are being affected by this e- epidemic um, and they're burning the villages because they just are like well we don't want it to spread and at the same time um, the Asakura clan has gathered around 2,000 soldiers and they're going to be attacking soon mm-hmm. so of course and Daigo's people are like we need more soldiers to defend this and so they keep going to all the villager- villages that aren't being taken by the epidemic Rounding up all of the able-bodied men, taking all of the horses, and just leaving. And, like, of course, the women are like, we can't do this all by ourselves. We can't protect ourselves from raids. Mm -hmm. And, like, you're basically stealing all of the things that make them money and then leaving them without protection. Yep. Um, it's a pretty shitty situation to have to deal with yeah. that. Yeah. Like, like the horse where the guy's like, but that's the way we make our money. The, that horse is our, our breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Well, like, that's legit how it used to work back in the old time, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like you had your livestock or your horses or whatever you bred. And, and he's like, we're taking it. And like, oh, I felt so bad because like, it, ha- it just had like a little, little foal and they're just pulling it away. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the father and son learn that, uh, Hyakimaru is coming and Daigo kind of sends his son out and is like, go get Hyakimaru, you know, um, and Dororo asks Hyakimaru as he's on his way down the road, like, what will you do if your mom and dad show up? And he's like, I'll kill them. If they get in the way. Yeah. If they, if they stop you. Yeah. (laughs) And Dororo points out like, well, then you can never be with them. And Yakimaru says he has Dororo. And like, okay, first off, mm-hmm. that's a shit ton to put on a very young child. <laughs> yeah, it really is. That's a lot. That's shitty. <sighs> they also, have they have been journeying around though. Like they have this bond, so like I think Doro understands it's like uh, yeah, like uh, we are connected like that, but that's still a lot. Yeah, I agree. It's still a lot. And also, like, when was Yakimaro ever with his family? In what 
universe <laughs> where they're just gonna have like a family dinner. Like, I mean, I could see his mother taking him back potentially, no. but <laughs> okay. What a fucking awkward family dinner that would be. <laughs> hey, this is Daigo, the father that decided to sacrifice you to the demons. This is your brother that we used to replace you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. let's all have a peaceful meal. No, but also, that's never going to fucking happen. It's not going to happen. You're totally right. But this is also coming from Doro, who has lost both of his parents. Or Sorry, her parents. God, I'm still confusing that. It's annoying. I know, it's hard. <laughs> um, and, oh, Jesus. you know, she's she's knows the importance of if you still have your parents, like, you should at least try to reconnect. And so she's she's upset that Kakimaru can't do that or can't bring well, himself to. He's never to. had them, though. Yeah, so I know he, he's never he had them. But, like, there's still the possibility, and Dororo sees that and wants to try to send him down that path if there's any possible way, which there might not be. So, yeah. And meanwhile, those two brother are they brothers? Because I can't tell if they're brothers or if the it's, one is a sister. Yeah, brother Mutsu and sister is a sister, a girl. Yeah, I, that was like pretty much confirmed this episode. I thought at one point where they're uh, very yeah. like ambiguous about it. And yeah. after Dora, whoa, 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 wait, I mean, you guys had problems wondering if she was a girl or not? No, I always thought she was a girl, but then like it was never officially like well, really okay, confirmed. But there's a lot of girly boys in anime. Mm-hmm. Like pretty boys, and after Dororo, like it's a little. Well, Kat, we know your track record with knowing if a character. If you want to know that track record, you can go listen to Eurocamp Uh, episode. Was it like eight or something? uh Something around there, (laughs) seven or eight. Anyway, the the two like siblings, whatever the fuck they have under their. Pants. See all the misery. I did look it up on the Dororo wiki that uh, Mutsu is a woman, so they have that. And and the and the brother wonders like how many will die again, and like like just like before, and you see this flashback of their mom being killed and like them being rounded up, and like the brother says he hates wars, and the sister's like, well, we must defeat Yakimaru so the war stops, and Mm -hmm. and and you see that the sister has some kind of rash on her neck. And I don't really know. She's getting the plague. Going. Yeah, there's like this epidemic oh, going around, okay. so I assume she has it. Which I don't yeah. know if that means that Hyogo and Tahomaro are definitely well, in danger I mean, now. Obviously, but. I feel like she knows she has that. Why is she hanging the fuck around them then? <sighs> Maybe she doesn't fully realize what's happening yet. But as soon or as she, she does, really, yeah. really wants to help uh, him defeat Hiyakimaru. She really wants to yeah. help him by infecting him with a <laughs> deadly disease. <laughs> Oh man. Um anyway, um Hakimaru and Tahamaro's mom um comment that both children are like kids who are screaming to have their toy back. Yeah. And that Tahamaro has become I think she's on the something. <laughs> I just yeah, want to I say mean, like your body's a little bit more important than like a toy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean at the, I, I do see what she's trying to say, yeah. but like yeah. And Takumara has become like an incarnation of Asura for the sake of her husband, which is is interesting. Asura's wrath, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on their way, Hyakimaru is warned by this dude that they should turn back. Like, he's going the other way. and He's like, there's going to be a war with Asura soon. And Hyakimaru just basically takes his blade out and threatens this guy. And it's pretty clear at this point that he's changed. Like, because he'd never do that before. This guy offered no threat to him. Yeah just was saying hey it's dangerous and he does this 
Yeah, um, he's just in the state of mind where if anybody gets in the, in my way at this point, I'm not taking any shit anymore. I'm getting my body back. This is it. Yeah, yeah and Doro is pretty frightened because Hyakimaru almost he feels as she feels has become someone else, <laughs> and she's like, "I'm no longer gonna go with you." And um, Hyakimaru like is just like, "All I want is to be me, to like see with my own eyes and feel with my own hands." Yeah, um, which I mean, you he can't say you don't understand, but at the same time. It's almost like he's losing himself to be himself. Um, and you see, like, Daigo say, <laughs> You see that, like, Daigo saved those two servants from a jail when they were kids. You see another flashback. Mm-hmm. And they attacked him scared, and he helped them, and he, he was very kind and, like, took him into his home. Um, and it's the first time we've really seen that he has a good side as well. I mean, it was and, was and it was for the benefit of his son, but like still. I mean, you know. but do you really think at that moment he was like, "This will benefit my son"? Probably. I not. don't think so. Probably not. Hmm. That. Like, I, I don't think he would see that far ahead. Um, so I think it must mean that he has some kindness in him as well, and it just goes to show that like any kindness in someone, it can be twisted. Because I'm sure when he began this journey he rationalized to himself that he was saving his land by doing this, right? But then it became twisted into his own selfishness as well. You know? Yeah. So, everyone's human. We all can be sympathetic people, even if we do shitty things, I guess. I I liked that. I liked that they showed that he had a good side. Um... The Asura army advances, and Hyakimaru and Dororo come across this gap that they can't cross. Um, and I guess they've made it on purpose, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, they've dug it out somehow. I don't know how the fuck they would do that in ancient times, though. To do Who what? Knows? Like, make that gap appear. Maybe they just, I don't know, because it seemed pretty um, intentional, that gap being there. It, f- it seems like a trap that they set. Oh, okay. Yeah, they could have dug it out, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe they just knew that gap was there and they were like, okay, we're going to make this here. Yeah. Use that as um, like a natural barrier. Yeah. Yeah. So Tahamaro and his servants appear to attack uh, Hyakimaru. Um, and Hyakimaru sees that Tahamaru has no red in him at all. Like, <laughs> he's not demonic at all. And he still attacks. Yep. Um, and he hurts the older brother servant and cuts Tahomaru near the eye again. And the younger brother, like, the younger si- sister, I guess, fires an arrow with smoke, like, on it, and it makes us all the smoke, and then when it clears, there's men on horseback who attack uh, Hyakimaru as well. Yeah, they and just sort really, of show up out of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and you're not really sure. And this really upsets me, because, like, the rider on one of the horses lights several bombs, like, on the horse. <laughs> yeah. And has it gallop towards Hyakimaru and jumps off, and then the younger, the sister, like, fires an arrow into the flank of the poor thing too mm-hmm. well that to causes it to keep charging yeah. Yeah. yeah I know but how shitty can you be to this poor fucking horse and it, it pushes Yakimaro towards the cliff and it's all scared and then the bombs explode and kill the fucking horse and push Yakimaro off the ledge mm-hmm. and I'm just like this fucking horse deserved none of this yeah I was pretty upset by all of that that was really especially like after we had seen that horse get taken from the stable <laughs> earlier I in literally, the episode. In my notes I wrote revenge horse. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're so setting it up though, because you knew something was gonna go yeah. down with that horse and they kept focusing on it. Um 
And then they take Doro and they're like, okay, we're going to hold him. We're going to leave. And Takamaru's like, no, we have to f- finish Shirakimaru off. Like, I'm going to go down the cliff and kill him. The man who came on the horse tranks Tahamaro actually, and carries him away and takes Doro with him, too. And I thought that was really weird. Like, I get they don't want Tahamaro to die, but why would one of them not go down and be like, let's make sure he's dead? Like, why would they do that? It's a big cliff, you know? Who wants to do that, really? (laughs) But, like, come on! It's like the sake of their whole land is at stake. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, that's what Tahomaro's trying to say, you know? (laughs) It's not that hard to make a rope and go down there and just be like, okay, he's dead. Or like, nope, he's not dead, but he's unconscious. Let me cut his throat. Like, it's not that hard. Diavolo made the same mistake also. (laughs) <laughs> with pulling her off so <laughs> i guess True. but yeah so they they do the stupid thing and they go away um both I, I noticed both siblings had an arm cut off of them which is so interesting there was an earlier conversation uh when mutu was talking to uh tahomaru about how she is the right hand and hyogo is the left hand for him and yeah. those are the exact arms they get cut off for both of them uh, so yeah. I was just like, eh, it's a little on the nose, but sure, whatever. It's kind of cool. I, yeah. I wondered about that. I was like, interesting. <laughs> and the guy that came on the horse like shames them. I guess he's one of Daigo's men. Shames them for being saved by Tahomaro and not saving him. And I'm just like, listen, they're human. Like, fucking calm your shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Hyakimaru wakes up in a trench and the horse becomes this demon horse that's actually really pretty and reminds me of that Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Wait. Yeah, the the one with the fire mate. Yeah, Piona or something like that. Wait, is that it? Uh, Pony Ponyta or is that the, like oh, the younger I version? I think of it's it. Ponyta or maybe. Yeah, it's Ponyta. It is Ponyta. <laughs> okay, that was close. Okay. <laughs> or if it's yeah. Rapidash, it's like something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Ponyta, the evil demon, has come for them. Like, so. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I'm come excited. Come on, who doesn't want who doesn't want to ride a flaming horse into battle? <laughs> and like, it's not. I just... mean, you may be burned alive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not just that though. I don't know. Like, uh, it looks like I don't know who if some person is helping Yakimar or if it's just the demons are on his side because like there's like some samurai armor that gets thrown down at the end there too that is like glowing as if it's like demonically possessed and it's like okay Yakimar is gonna show up with like demon samurai armor and like a demon <laughs> horse ponyta pokemon thing next episode that's gonna be sick <laughs> can't wait for that pokemon gotta kill oh, them all shit <laughs> oh and that just matches this anime so well too, he has to kill all the fucking demons <laughs> to get his body back <laughs> you gotta get his uh, arms you go, back Hiyakimaru, you go <laughs> <laughs> Dororo, gotta kill them all. <laughs> oh, man. But then they do that transition. Penny. What's that demon? <laughs> There's the outline. <laughs> if I can't Instead of, like, cheerful walking. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of cheerful walking, it just splatters of blood across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that seems like it's going to be hype, though. I'm pretty hyped up for Demon Horse Yakimaru. Um to come for the end game of this anime against the uh, the Daigo house. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like the Asakura army is just going to wipe everyone out anyway. So I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. Hopefully Dororo makes it out alive. I'll be pissed if she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, and you know the wrath of BCOM is all knowing. Oh yeah, that's a that's like a Better point lower right B-com there. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else before we take a break? No, let's take a break and then find out what is in that fucking basement. Yeah, what's in that basement? Come back to find <laughs> what's out. What's in the fucking basement? Okay, anyway. <laughs> See you in a minute. After you hear Just make this break extra long, BCOM, so they're like, <laughs> I have to wait even longer to figure it out. Oh, <laughs> no, I they've probably yeah. seen it, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I will make an extra long commercial break. We'll be back. <laughs> Later. The Trash Pandas bring you this nugget from another trash can. What happens when Brains and Bullets discuss episode two of One Punch Man? Pretty much gene splicing heads. They will oh, sp- yep, 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 yep. Yeah, they will splice genes. They have a a cyborg gorilla. They have frog that walks on two legs and communicates at long range. Like they got. You think it? They splice the Lion King. Yeah, they they have the lion. They have a lion beast king. And Simba. Yeah, he's Simba. I don't mean he's Simba. I mean he's Simba. We at Trash Pandas Watch Anime dig through the trash so you don't have to. You can find the Trash Pandas Watch Anime podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter where we'll get live updates from what we do. Hi, I'm JD, your host of the Red Leaf Retrocast your best location to learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. Our podcast has four shows for you to listen to between retro gaming, modern gaming, anime, and even wrestling. The Retro Gaming Cast covers discussion topics, and each episode we discuss retro games picked based on a decided theme for that episode, ranging from space all the way to console specials like the old handheld Game Boy. Our modern gaming cast is monthly and covers video game titles that were released in that previous month. Each anime cast, we focus to review a retro anime each and every episode, like the original Mobile Suit Gundam to the racing hit Initial D. But that's not all. We also keep up with the seasonal shows by occasionally doing impressions and reviews as well. Finally, our last show is about wrestling, where we keep the rising indie scene up to date while also covering shows from the bigger promotions like Ring of Honor, New Japan, and WWE, so we cover it all. We also cover a retired wrestler every episode in what we call the Wrestler Spotlight and are currently on a quest covering old WCW Thunder episodes from the late 90s, every cast. So if any one of those casts sound like something you'd like to check out, that's the Red Leaf Retrocast Gaming, Anime, and Wrestling, found at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting sites. Also, you can learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. We can't wait to see you soon. Put your hands in the air. Wave them like you don't care. What song hey. is that? I don't fucking know. <laughs> and with that, DJ Cat is back on the mic. Oh god! Take it here with me is Leo to talk about the fucking it's the Attack worst on Titan. party I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, guys. We're going to talk about some Attack on Titan season three, part two, uh, and we're going to find out finally what's in the basement. But don't worry, we're going to drag it out for you.
No, we're not really going to. <laughs> not this fucking episode. They're no, just no, gonna... no. If you notice how short my synopsis is, because it's a lot easier <laughs> when you can cut out five, a little over than five minutes and just say flashbacks and shots of destroyed towns. <laughs> and just sum up that whole five minutes. <laughs> and Armin's abs. Yeah, Armin he get jacked this episode. Weird fucking abs. I'm like, Armin should not have abs. What All the right. fuck? Episode 56, The Basement. Uh, dun, dun, dun. So it starts off with Armin having like a weird dream where he sees like the colossal titan crying and like wakes up on the wall next to like an injured Sasha. Uh, so Aaron. here's first question I have. First question. <laughs> let's uh, let's stall this out a little bit. Jesus Christ! I even done. A, I did one sentence so far. <laughs> so he wakes. He like he wakes up and he says Bertholtz. And my my question was that was was that actually like Bertholtz piece of the colossal titan that was crying, or was that Armin seeing Bertholtz memories of seeing the initial colossal titan before? Barrett Holt ever got the power. I and think I was it's like, all uh, a weird I didn't get that last mishmash part of like him mm-hmm. seeing it from Barrett Holt's point of view before Barrett Holt died and like okay. his point of view eating Barrett Holt. I think that makes more sense because like Cons- I don't yeah. yeah. Considering yeah. how crazy dreams get when I see dream shit, I usually just fucking whatever it does, I just <laughs> let it pass because dreams are fucking they're they're sometimes can be just complete nonsense. That's well, true. Well, because, I mean, if you think about it, he's got these two points of view from the same thing. So it's probably very strange because one person yeah. usually would not have two, two points of view of the same thing. Oh, like that dream anime we covered, Become. <laughs> that was fucking batshit. A dream Something anime? Eight. Oh, Some- 18 If? Yeah. Yeah. That was what an anime. anime. Oh, what a show. Check anime. that out if you have the time. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> we covered it, Kat. You weren't on them with us yet. I know, Every episode. I, I tried there, watching that shit. Don't do don't it. There's don't. legitimately some good episodes in there. Like, there's yeah. also, there's also some, some bad ones. Fucking bullshit episodes yeah. that don't deserve to. Okay, okay. Well, we're talking <laughs> anyway. about Attack on Titan. We'll come back. Okay. So, Aaron immediately rushes over and hugs him. And then Levi shows up and launches like a green flare, signaling to everybody that Armin is awake and tells Aaron to tell Armin. Everything that happened. And all he remembers at the moment is the Colossal Titan landing. And then nothing after that. Hmm. So, Armin, for a street cred, takes it fairly well now <laughs> that he is a uh, fucking Titan. And, oh, he also ate Burholt. That too. Also, uh, Dying has done amazing things for his, like, complexion. <laughs> like, he's looking good this episode. He's, like, looking new, fresh, newborn Armin. Looks real good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there are also only nine of them left from all the scouts. So that's uh, yeah, that's a that's a big death toll there. That's pretty uh, bad. Armin even takes the news, I guess, decently well for that he will be Erwin's successor, basically. And it's a lot of pressure <laughs> to put on someone. I just think it hasn't yeah. come over him yet. Like he gets sick about hearing about eating Bertholdt, and then like I'm like, if that's it, you're doing pretty good, boy. And uh, he's like, he's like, why did you pick me? And so, like, they have to like reiterate like what went down and why Levi chose him instead of yeah. Irvin. I kind of wondered when he started to get sick, like, if he vomits enough, like, will he vomit up accidentally, Barrett Holt, and then he won't get. Tight. He's been uh, he's been asleep for a while. He's uh, probably digested it I by mean, now. But like, what would happen? Like, would, he, would it just be well, a tiny person, like a tiny little person? 
Yeah, it'll be a Attack on Titan Junior High chibi version of Bear Holt. I'll be like, "Hi guys." Would, would he stay with, like alive, but just not be a Titan I holder? I actually just uh, read an article today about how long it would take for a Lego piece to pass through your body, and it was like <laughs> a day point forty seven. So, you know, given given five hours, I'd say he's probably too deep to be puked back up. So. But what what if you you let the person transform back into person? like a regular person after they've mm-hmm. eaten a titan then you just slap them awake and make them vomit immediately would you have a mini person and a human that didn't die yeah i don't know but i felt like cat <laughs> i could feel you rejoicing at the news that you may never have to mix up armin and erwin's names again yes i'm so done and honestly do you think that the reason they made armin and erwin's names so similar is because like they're supposed to be this is so maybe? deep into the manga i don't know i don't know yeah they, this they are been both something, like leaders yeah this would have been a weird thing that they like thought about that far ahead That's uh it was also kind of funny when Sasha told him to shut up in her sleep. <laughs> yeah, and like Han just like, y'all, you can't defeat Sasha. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, so this is when we get an agonizing three minutes and 40 seconds of flashbacks. <laughs> you counted. Oh, yeah. Oh. And shots of the destroyed town before they well, okay. finally make it to be, Aaron's be house. Fair, we're not done. They oh, God. also play dramatic music that has like a woman going, oh, in it. <laughs> right? The yeah. entire time. Like, yeah, like and then do. just like flashbacks and like it's, I know it's supposed to get us like sentimental and stuff, but I was just sitting here like, I fucking remember this, okay? Just it's like, get we know to the goddamn basement. Let's see what's in the <laughs> fucking basement okay we know that's all i'm saying i have a hard time believing that mikasa actually has like any feelings about this stuff at all (laughs) she's like she's got like such like ice water in her veins that like when she's like looking at the little fruit basket like that aaron has stopped to look at i doubt she actually feels anything yeah (laughs) do you think her real thought process is like oh aaron cares about this i should act like i I should act like i care Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we are not done yet. We literally get another two minutes of them unbearing the door. What was that with them picking up the plates? It's like, oh, this is, oh, I guess this is our plates. I guess I should take these. The plates in the cups. And I'm like, why are they gathering? Is there a plate shortage? I don't know. Like, if I'm like one of the other scouts, I'm like, guys, what the fuck are you doing right now? Find the door to the basement. (laughs) So they finally uncover it. They go downstairs. They find out the key doesn't fit. And then Levi just personifies everybody watching this and says, fuck it, and kicks down the goddamn door. Yeah, he's Levi like, likes I, I, doors. I do not have enough life to live to do this shit, is what Levi says. <laughs> <laughs> Levi's like, do you know what I just did? I killed like 35 titans out there, all right? And then I and had to make a decision. weakling titans, yeah. like the yeah. above standard type titans. <laughs> yeah, and then I had to like make a decision to like kill my commander. And, and now you're like, oh, the lock is it's really tough, Levi. Fuck that. You <laughs> kick the door down. <laughs> He's like, this is the easiest decision I've made all fucking day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they get inside and they look around and they comment that it just looks like a regular doctor study. So they begin searching around and I felt like they were like in one of those lock rooms. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Escape the room type Escape things. rooms. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mikasa eventually finds like a keyhole in the side of the desk. Uh, of course, the key now works on this and Aaron freaks out because when they open it, there's nothing inside this drawer. <laughs> 
for a moment, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are, oh, so you fell for it? I was yeah, like, yeah, like, just no, no, for no, no, a no. moment, I was like, are you shitting me? There's nothing in this fucking no, 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 drawer. No, I was not like that at all. They opened it, it was empty, and, and I just like went, and? <laughs> Everybody just like turns well, to look at the screen. Le- Levi is just like, listen, bitches, I'm not having it. And he just keeps coming in and fixing Dude, the problem. Dude, I totally like, lived through Levi this door. whole episode. <laughs> first with like, the door, and then, and then he's like, get out of the fucking way. It's a false bottom. Yeah, like, you, he's like literally like, you dumbasses. This is a false bottom. So he pulls it out, and inside they find three books. Uh, but we don't know what they are because the show's going to draw it out some more. Oh, I, know. I love how they're like, oh, this is what it was. And then they're like, and then cut away. And you're like, what the fuck was in the books? You bitch! You can't just show it. This is what we've been waiting for for three seasons, four seasons. Let's not talk about it. Oh, let's we forgot to make the four else. seasons joke. Thanks, thanks. We fit it in there good. Yeah, let's do some fucking something else. Because God knows we all aren't waiting on tender hooks. Like, what the fuck is it? So what the show does is it cuts to some of the commanders back at home base. I forget the name of the damn town. Whatever. Oh, fuck if I know. I can't remember. <laughs> and they're talking about how Erwin always thought there might be more people outside the walls and that the history books might be lying. And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll ask Erwin when he gets back. And, you know, we're like, uh, you're not. So don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> that's when they get interrupted by soldiers saying that the scouts are back and that they retook Wall Maria. And the scouts are then shown overlooking towns. Everybody's like celebrating. There's like more confetti than that damn parade every year. They, they would not City. have that much fucking confetti. Just <laughs> it FYI. was intense. They would <laughs> not. But I, I will say it, it was a good moment them celebrating because it, it did give you kind of a sense of weight of what they had done for society. Yeah, but as then, a whole. but then I sat there going, "You guys are celebrating, but." only fucking nine people made it back well but think about like that whole area they can now move people back into it and like people won't have to starve because remember wasn't it like 30 percent of humanity was going to starve yeah but the Mm -hmm. amount of life sacrifice to do it was like fucking astronomical huge but i bet it wasn't 30 percent of the population so they've done a great service yeah but like 90 that 90% is actually low percent of the like the scouts fighting force like just fucking gone what the fuck i'll just say if they don't get a fucking amazing memorial <laughs> in wall maria that's like these fucking bitches they're the real mvp without so, them we wouldn't be here then they got cheated yeah so like all the scouts went right so like there's literally nine left is that mm-hmm. right yeah did any yeah, of the I, scout I, I don't think there's any behind? others that stayed behind. I don't think so. Yeah, I felt like that was all of them. So literally, there's nine people left out of that whole regiment. Yeah. A re- fucking regiment. Whoa, whoa. They should have a huge monument to them. I mean, uh, I'm sure they will. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a giant dick. Yeah. That also- <laughs> what? <laughs> Why would it be a giant a dick, Leo? <laughs> Just how badass they were, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I've been thinking about that too, and like I was just not the giant dick about them not having anybody and left. Ecom's really just been thinking about giant dicks uh, recently. Honestly, <laughs> um, no, because like if they only have nine of them left, and they are the ones who basically just like took power back um, and put you know Historia 
in like the queen's seat, basically. Now that there's only nine of them, they're very vulnerable to another takeover of power. So I'm not sure if that's something that's going to happen, but it well, they got Commander Pixie. Could. They have Commander Pixie, Pixie on their side. Yeah. So Die that's, Pixis. yeah, Pixis, yeah. not Pixie. He's not. He's not a like two foot. You know, but it's spelled out as Pixie. He's fucking Pixie. I don't give a shit. He's still <laughs> a badass. <laughs> Oh my god! I, His I just, name's Commander think, Pixie, but he slaughtered fifty shoulder, uh, soldiers. I'm still like, he's still a badass. I don't get I, shit. <laughs> I don't think that they will have trouble after being the heroes of humanity of getting new recruits. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, they're also literally the only nine people left who know how to legitimate fight a titan. So, oh, they need to like not fight and just teach a bunch oh, of people. And for a two while. of them are titans now too. So I guess there's that. Hmm. Well, I guess I could transform and be like, all right, guys, try to fight me. <laughs> if you really want to do this. <laughs> don't actually kill me because this is a training exercise, but tr- try to practice. <laughs> so, so, I want to see that so bad. So then the show does jump back to them looking into the book and they find a but picture of like. before we get to that. Oh, my God. <laughs> which more can we talk about? I'm just joking. <laughs> Just go on. It's fine. <laughs> so they find a picture of a family, and Hans comments that it's too good to be a drawing. Basically, they don't know what a fucking photograph is. Uh, they know some writing on the back, and it's Aaron's father. They they recognize the writing, telling them what a photograph is and basically how it works. We know ourselves. And also that humanity hasn't perished, and he came from a town where people lived in elegance. So, hmm. so yeah, you go, hmm. And then after the cred scene, oh, the, the after Grisha, cred scene just Grisha fucking is, teased it so which bad. I actually had to relook up myself is Aaron's father's name. Yeah, Grisha Grisha. As a young boy, and he's in uh man, how much more of advanced would you say there's airships? Uh the buildings are definitely sturdier in that wood. They're like all brick and stuff. It mm-hmm. was like a It seemed like mid eighteen like hundreds. Yeah. 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 Definitely way better. And he says it all began when Graham grabbed his little sister Faye's hand and they ran past the guards and outside the walls. It can't be that different, though, because they also have those walls. So it'll be interesting. But, like, they tease it so hard because you really want to see what the fuck happens next with this whole flashback. And, and they just leave you. And you're like, God damn it. Okay, there, I have a very positive negative about this. Positive, I want to learn about this outside world. Mm-hmm. Negative, I don't want to see fucking how Grisha really ended up over there. That doesn't matter to me. I want to see how uh, our core group reacts to finding an outside world. How they react to, what the fuck is this goddamn airship doing? (laughs) And then how the Titans play out in all this. Yeah, Yeah, like, if there is an outside world, how are there Titans existing? I mean, like, are the Titans not like threatening them as well? And I like one of the things that was interesting about Grisha's like little flashback at the end there is you saw that there were like military checkpoints in that city that they had to like run past. They also had to wear armbands too. Yeah. So is this like Nazi occupied like something or other in Europe? Uh, basically, um, I don't know because that's like what it kind of reminded me of. And so like are like the Jews, like the t- Titans shifters or something. Like, is this going to be like that much of a metaphor? Like, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I don't know. I, I was a little underwhelmed by what we found in the basement. I have to say, though, the, to be fair, they only showed us like the first page of one of the books that they found. 
Um, I would have been like tearing through those books like immediately, I'm but apparently like, not. Yeah, yeah. I was underwhelmed also because I'm like, yeah. okay, they're books that talk about an outside world and nothing. Damn it. <laughs> so <laughs> I learned there's something about the outside world. There, There is a civilization, which is great, but what? what? Just, Why are we so segregated? What the fuck is more. going on? I know. I just, I hope the whole next episode. I demand episode, answers. <laughs> all I want is the next episode to be an entire flashback and for us to get a bunch of information. Well, that's what we it seems it. like it's going to be. I kind of want next episode to just be Armin sitting down and reading through all three of these books. Just telling me everything that's in them. That would be fantastic. No, that would be terrible. That's a terrible idea for a TV show. <laughs> no, they'll they'll show us a flashback of Grisha's past and how he came to be the way he is. And all that stuff. That'll be good. <clears throat> but yeah. Oh, did we draw that out long enough, you think? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You guys want to talk about the symbolism of the broken houses and the oh, broken God. silverware and oh. teddy bears and all the broken shit we saw? I'm no? kind of surprised like, cool. that the thing that's in the basement is just like a couple books. I'm just yeah, like, eh. Eh. The third one's probably porn. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Titan porn? Was it Titan porn? It's just like a bunch of pictures of Aaron's mom getting eaten by that Titan. It's like, when did these get taken? <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> oh, uh, shit. All right, let's move on to the worst show of the season, One Punch Man Season 2. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I did say I was taking one for the team when I covered this. All right. Yeah, I've just lost Uh, my patience at this point for the show. It's gotten to that point. The troubles of the strongest. uh, Saitama's being all heroic and shit and like, I (laughs) saved you. Look at me. And, And Surio is like, they've gone from him being like, I'm a badass to like, I'm an adorable little raccoon. Look at my big eyes as they fill with tears. Which I don't understand the transition. Like, it's a little abrupt. <laughs> I don't know if I'm really supposed to feel bad for him or if I'm just supposed to laugh at him. I don't know. I, I just didn't feel anything, though, because, um, yeah, I don't care. I don't know. So. Oh, by the way, this episode also got delayed like a week. So we're like slightly ahead of other episodes we're covering with this one. Kind of like the same with JoJo, but just yeah. so you guys know. Yeah, not but, a big deal. But yeah, the guy um, is first scared of Saitama since he like kicked Saitama kicked his butt before. But eventually he's like, well, I'm a beast now, so you can't get me. And Saitama's like, oh, did I fight you? And then just like punches him once and whoops his butt. Um, <laughs> yep, that's then- what he does. And then Saitama is then told by Sirio about the Monster Association for the first fucking time. Like, he had no idea anything was happening. And I'm just like, where have you been? <laughs> He's been fighting in the tournament I mean, and playing video Genos games. was there, too. And he knows. Like, everyone else knows. Everyone else who was in the tournament knows. They all uh, know what's no, going on. No, I don't on. think so. Yeah, they do, because they all saw everything. I, I just feel like he's so oblivious. Like, I don't know. I think he's kind of oblivious about things until they actually matter <laughs> to him. Yeah. Yeah. So so the guy was the same. So I guess the um, Ginko guy, the guy that was the beast that Saitama just whooped, that was the oh, same one yeah. who hurt Genos. <laughs> it yeah. just goes, shows you, like, the once again, the uh, difference. No, that was the other guy. Go-ketsu? No, it was... It was um, 
Gonketsu or whatever is the one with the that was the winner of the first tournament. That's the no, one the one who killed who beat up Genesis was the guy who came to the stadium and offered the uh, demon oh, things. Oh yeah, and then he left. You're right. Oh yeah, yeah that was a different many, guy. You're there's right. There's too many yeah. fucking deep villain. I've only basically seen everything twice because I read it too. So. It, it's <laughs> almost like this villain didn't leave much of an impression on you because they suck oh, as a character. Yes. <laughs> so it's. I don't know. It's cute. At this point, Siri was worried about uh, Saitama because Saitama's like, I should go help. And, and Siri was like, no, he'll die. And, but I'm, I was like, it's kind of cute, this whole scene, but I'm a little tired of the dramatics and the crying because at this point, Siri has like cried for 10 minutes of this anime. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, are we really supposed to believe that this, you know, anyway. Um, I don't know. He's just like transformed into like a five-year-old child that looks, cute. <laughs> and I, that's that just doesn't seem accurate to me. Sirio then is like, "Can I be your Saitama, like disciple Saitama?" And I'm just like, "No, like stop." Um, <laughs> and then they they have like a little slide shot of like the naked, um, purry stereo- prisoner guy. Yeah, stereotypical yeah. gay guy. Mm-hmm. I, um. Which is cute. I, I really liked the jiggling butt thing. That was cute. <laughs> the little, the, the like second of his butt just being like boing 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 boing, and I'm like, yes. Um, yeah, you remember him from season one, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember. him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah, then Saitama has like an existential crisis about why he wants to be a hero and like. What his the meaning of his his journey is and and it just goes on and on like it's it's another ten minutes of this of the show. Bottom line is he forgot he never wanted to be a hero. He just wanted to be strong. So <laughs> it's it just he just keeps going on and on and I'm like what? Like, I couldn't help that- but to compare it to Mob Psycho because like Mob in the second season was going through all of these things about. Who am I? What should I really be doing? Who were my true friends? Well, and same author. So <laughs> it is the same author. I well, just want to say, yeah. like, Mob Psycho was so much more interesting in every way than Saitama in, in One Punch Man season well, two. I think they are different characters in that yeah. I don't feel like Saitama would think this much about it. I, I yeah. could see hmm. Mob thinking that much about it. But Saitama. Yeah, Mob does was not- also made after One Punch Man, so you gotta understand he's probably yeah, he's improved more, since better. it's yeah. definitely like the better written series at this point. I feel I enjoy Saitama more as a character because I like the mm-hmm. idea of him more, but I do yeah. think probably Mob Psycho is written a tad bit better. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And <laughs> I did like how King comes up and he's like, "I'm having this crisis," and King immediately thinks he's talking about his hair, and he's like, <laughs> "It might grow back," and there are treatments. <laughs> 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 it was cute um, and then Saitama talks about his issues with King and they just talk more and I'm like why are you talking about this with him it, it just <laughs> seems really out of place um, and King suggests that he take like a trip or that he like get a hobby <laughs> yeah like ballroom oh. dancing like you said yeah like if you yeah. need friends just go to like a ballroom dancing class or something <laughs> like the quote that king does he's like life is a journey to nowhere 
And and I'm kind of like, yeah, but I don't know why you're giving him this uh, advice because it doesn't really seem like you have your shit together either. <laughs> um, he says it's wrong to get satisfaction from fighting and that you should get satisfaction from helping people. And and I'm just like, why are you giving Saitama a pep talk? What is happening? And, <laughs> I okay. don't know. And then they're like, let's go play video games. And then they drop it. And um, and then, I don't know, you find out that Gara was beaten by the dog dude. Uh-huh. Which, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> that, that man is like a, to me, that man just screams pervert. Who goes around in a dog costume on his hands and knees all day with his ass in the air? I, why would you get beaten by him? He should what be like is so he ashamed. In the S class, like three or something. It's pretty he's, high up there. Yeah, he should be Way so ashamed. He was beaten by a man in a dog costume with his ass in the air. He should be ashamed of himself. Watchdog man, that's his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Garo's getting home from getting his ass beat. Apparently, I did like that they don't make the villain all powerful. That is refreshing, but it's, it's also like what the fuck. But sure, um, he. Garo sees King with Saitama and is like, I'm going to attack him and goes to attack him. And Saitama is just like, let me just kick this rubble out of the way. <laughs> and this friend was like, okay, then, uh, okay. So Garo's like really injured right now, I guess. But even if he's at full power, I just feel like that's going to be the fight at the end of this show is like Saitama is just going to easily punch him and it's going to be over. And it's going to be like, why did I even watch any of this? What was the point of any of this show? Like, I don't know, man. Uh, let me reassure you, the manga has not even addressed this yet. Oh, it goes it. a different way. So. Oh, boy. But yeah, yeah. anyway, <sighs> so um, he's and then, and then as his head, Saitama's like, I, I really wish I could meet Garo because he might be a challenge. And meanwhile, he's just whooped Garo's ass so easily. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he has no idea. And, and meanwhile, then it goes to Speed to Sonic. Like, and I guess he's being attacked by these two guys um and they say he's from the village i guess it's like the ninja village that he came yeah, from. yeah basically mm-hmm. that's um, what they're hinting at yeah and and these guys to me look like they're straight out of yu hakusho did they did you guys <laughs> yeah that? those designs or yeah like they definitely look like those designs from like hunter hunter yu hakusho it, it for looks sure. like the dark tournament designs <laughs> i just it, it just reeked of it to me and i was like Oh, I want this to be you, you hog show. It would be so much better. Um. <laughs> uh, they do get another scene later on. I don't know if it would be this season or not. So they're they're still semi important, I would say. Yeah. So yeah, look they... forward to seeing them again, again, Cat. <laughs> okay. It reminded me a lot of the scene right before the dark tournament, where they like, where the like, there's two minions who corner, the, like, um, Yusuke and the forest. And fight him before the tournament it's starts. It's been a long time since I watched Yu Yu show. Oh, I'm sorry. I have such a prosaic <laughs> memory of it. But anyway, so he, he decides... Uh, so, like, they want to recruit Speed of Sonic for the monster organization. And they want to take down Flashy Flash, which I still can't believe his name is Flashy Flash. Yeah, him and Dogman are both top of the S-class. They're, like, uh, somewhere between three, four, five, and six or somewhere up there in the rankings. Huh, okay. and, they, and they want Speed of Sonic to help, and they want him to become a monster. And oddly, Speed of Sonic's like, sure, I'll become a monster, whatever. Well, he contemplates it a little bit. Yeah, um, but not that much. 
Um, I did think it was hilarious. Instead of like eating it like a fruit, like everyone else did, he like cooks it and like makes a whole meal, like a fancy meal out <laughs> like of this wine thing. Like wine and yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Just eat the fucking thing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, I hope, uh, I hope cooking this doesn't like, you know, make it not work. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I totally expect next episode to see him like not be a monster because of this. Because he, like, cooked, he it. cooked it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. That was actually the like the, maybe the funniest part of the episode for me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Then you find out there's a hero called Zombie Man, which I think is hilarious because I kind of want to see him like take his limbs off and throw them at people, and that's his power or something. <laughs> well, um, that's not how he uses it, but <laughs> I guess that's don't ruin nothing. It, I, I'm Leo. not going to ruin it. <laughs> and, and like uh, the the villain is like a gorilla, and. I do love this kind of bizarre humor they do where there's like this guy that's just in the middle of a grocery store and he comes across the villain who's also a gorilla. And so it's like two gorillas, gorillas looking at each other. And he's the, like, the, the other gorilla you're talking about is from season one. Oh, oh. is he? I didn't realize that. He's yeah, like, he's armored out. gorilla oh. from season one. He's like, I'm just out buying groceries. Yeah, because <laughs> if you remember, he fought like a lion guy, oh, and yeah, a frog yeah. guy. Yeah, he's from season one. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah so it's like, why would you say that? Yeah, it was funny. Um, and then a rant. I don't know. And then the zombie guy's like, it's suspicious that this random guy took out the monster. I'm going to follow him. And I'm like, why are, Why does any of this matter? Um, <laughs> and then at the end, there's speculation on what the Monster Association is up to. And they kind of like go through some theories. And they talk about how they need to get the hostage back. And then suddenly this guy comes in and just repeats over and over that there's a message from the Monster Association. And then, like, stuff starts oozing out of his head. And I guess he's, like, been taken over parasitically by some Basically. monster. Yeah. Yeah. And that jumble of mess is um, this episode of One Punch Man. <laughs> <laughs> like, throughout the episode, like, especially that first half, Saitama kept saying, like, oh, I'm so bored. I'm just so bored. And I, I just want to say, like, I'm so bored, Saitama. <laughs> like, please do anything interesting. That I, would be fantastic. I feel like the writer, this is just, like, a fever dream that the writer is having. <laughs> and occasionally during the night, he'll, like, wake up. And he has, like, a... A person next to his bed who just writes down the the gobbledygook that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> then a gorilla fights another gorilla in a grocery store. In a grocery store, and they like they were on the sleep. street. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I don't know. I just I'm start, starting to lose patience with it just because like it's the kind of show that doesn't really seem to be going anywhere or like using episodes to build towards something it just seems that they have things happen and then well they're building towards the monster association i guess but it's been taking so long i and don't know garo's thing come on yes yeah, sort of there's sort of like but like i don't i don't still really feel like i have a great grasp on like why i should care about their character motivations like whatsoever you just um, watch it for fun, I would say. I guess, but I'm not having fun, so that's a problem. <laughs> I have a blast. I had a blast reading the manga. I'm still enjoying watching it. So, even, you know what even I'm though I know what's going to happen, <laughs> you know what I'm having a blast watching is this next show we have to talk about. <sighs> yeah, you can wake me when it's over, please. Because I will like to lo- talk about Carol and Tuesday afterwards. Oh, absolutely! I'll wake you up uh, before you go go. Um, Episode 9 of 11, I want to connect, but I can't express it. 
I, so, yeah, I can't connect, man. It's just fucking just weird. I don't connect. know yeah. what's going on. Sorry that you have no you have no cell phone bars. You can't get a connection. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after being shot at the end of the episode last week, Enta is rushed to the emergency room for surgery. And we meanwhile we cut away quickly because Sara is trying to like push Kepi, who's like trapped in that ice block because of her freezing machine. And she like pushes him out of the building and he lands in the middle of the road. And unfortunately for him, an Otter Tribe branded truck coon is driving a little too fast and runs over Kepi, like exploding him into little pieces of ice. So that's not good. That whole thing was so bizarre. It's like, why are we having this sideshow? I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know, it just it made me laugh, though. Um, so Chikai and Toei are still on the boat heading out of Asakusa when they hear a news broadcast on a cell phone about Enta being shot and in, like, serious condition. And Chikai tells Toei that, you know, we could you could go back now, but it's like, now or never. Like, if you, if you stay, like, you're staying. If you go back, you can't come with me. Um... And Toei's like, well, Enta still has someone closer to him than me with Kazuki. And, but for you, my older brother, like, I'm the only one who could stay by their side. So I guess I'm going to stay with you. Um, some cops try to tell Kazuki that Chikai was the shooter because they found his prints on candies that were on Enta's body. But of course, like, Kazuki was there. He saw the whole thing and he knows that's a lie and tries to tell them, but they won't believe him. And, like, Enta's sister, like, shows up. And reassures Kazuki that he's not at fault for all of this, which is kind of nice of her. Um, and so after getting off the boat, Chikai is greeted by his friend Masa, who is, like, honored to be taking care of him, I guess. He's, he seems like a really, like, happy-go-lucky guy. They kind of build him up as this nice guy who's just, like, happy to see his friend, which will come into play later. <laughs> um but yeah, meanwhile, we cut back again. This is like going through three storylines interwoven at all times. So sorry for the confusion. But Rayo and Mabu are reconnecting over the fact that like Robo Mabu seems to have perfected those like otter manju cookies. And like Rayo like embraces him thinking like my true Mabu's finally back. That um, was cute. Like the yeah. moment where you're like, my love has made me something. I know it's <laughs> them. Like that was pretty cute. Yeah, that was pretty nice. They f- finally had like a like a nice moment there. When you get to see how much he really does love Mabu. Yeah, it's true. Um, so Sara Azuma is like performing her own surgery on Kepi. She's putting all of his broken ice cubes back together, and then like Sarah should never be allowed to perform <laughs> any sort of surgery on anyone. She's like a pe- perma drunk. Like her personality is perma drunk. It's funny how, like, her and Kepi are, like, just these two, like, Looney Tunes characters in a show of, like, sort of other normal people, like, for the most part. <laughs> like, yeah. they're, they're just having this, like, lo- like Looney Tunes skit where she, like, puts him back together but, like, puts the places in the wrong place. Like, he, he's, like, a Picasso or something and he, like, is horrified when he looks himself in the mirror. Uh, but, like, meanwhile, Toei overhears Masa telling Chikai that, like, when Toei killed that boss when he was a kid, it was, like, what allowed Chikai to become, like, a really well-respected Yakuza. And that made, like, Toei pretty angry. Uh, he starts, like, clutching at his, like, grocery bag because uh, he went to, like, a convenience store or something. Um, and, like, he overhearing this, he's really upset that, like, Chikai, like, sort of, like, doubled down on that life after, like, everything that happened. And, like, them supposedly throwing their like, guns away and everything. But... 
we find out more about that later as well. So uh, Enta's sister tells Kazuki that like Enta may not make it through the night, so she wants him to like go talk to him, which is like, by the way, a lot to ask of like a teenage boy. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. But I guess like if this is his last chance, sure. Um and she reminds him through like this flashback of when like Kazuki first met Enta that like Enta's family had like traveled a lot overseas and that Enta was kind of an outcast, but Kazuki reached out to him to like play soccer. And like Enta had always promised, like, I will never let Kazuki be lonely again, or I'll always be by his side. And so Kazuki like runs to this like huge window outside Enta's like operating room, and he starts like begging like come back smile again and like as he's saying this like enta's kappa version like just pops out from like right behind him he's like shh uh i'm here don't tell anybody and so kepi was who has been revived was able to like get him out of his body um and so apparently he looks fine now kepi so i guess sarah probably fixed him after she put all the places or the pieces back together in the wrong place um but yeah, there's a timer of like on Enta's kappa head that's ticking away, and it's how much longer he has to live. And so they're like, "All right, we got to do something." And Kazuki's like, "I'm going to get the dishes of hope, and we're going to save him." So meanwhile, Masa gives Chikai a ticket for like the next boat they have to take to get further away. And then after he gives him the ticket, Chikai just straight up shoots Masa dead. Because it's like, oh, he's like a loose thread. Um, and he tells Toei, like, I did that guy a favor because he's too nice to survive in this world. Only bad people survive. That's like his whole mantra. And so another Yakuza named Taka shows up who has beef with Chikai and wants to take him down. And so a gunfight breaks out. And it looks pretty bad for Chikai until Toei whips out a gun and starts like shooting at some of these guys to get his brother out of the situation and tells him to like basically run. Um, Rayo then who is dancing in the streets cause he's so happy returns to find Mabu in otter agony. <laughs> um, and he sees him with an otter version of Rayo in the basement of the police station. And this otter Rayo is like licking Mabu's like robo heart as he stands behind Mabu's like naked body just very <laughs> sensual. Um, it's kind of creepy. Honestly. It is super creepy. There's also like, I don't know. It was weird. Like part of his heart, like almost looked like a nipple or something as it was yeah, like protruding out. It was really weird. Um, and so Otter Rayo tells the real Rayo that otters exist as concepts in this world. And he's like a mirror of all the desires that are inside of Rayo. And that Rayo is the one who wants to own Mabu and, like, call him his own. And so Rayo, like, finally hearing all this, like, sort of snaps out of, like, this, like, lovey-dovey mode he's been in. Realizes that Robu Mabu is, like, an imposter. And he's going to take the real one back by force uh, by gaining the last dish of hope. Okay, so Kazuki returns home to get the one dish he had, like, under his pillow. And he wakes up his little brother Haruka. And Haruka tells him how Enta was with him during rehab and how they shared that same dream that Kazuki would, like, smile again. Uh, and it's funny because, like, when he was younger, they talk about how he idolized this soccer player named Lionel Kappa, which is, like, an obvious reference to, like, Lionel Messi, like, the most famous soccer player in the world. I guess he's the most famous. It's either him or Cristiano Ronaldo, one or the other. But anyway, um, Toby catches up with Chikai, who's, like, running away from the fight, 
and tells him like the gun he had was the one from four years ago that like when they threw it off the bridge, he had swapped out the real gun and kept it all this time just in case he needed it again. And so Toei is like pissed with Chikai, like asks like if Chikai is going to throw him away too. Like he's thrown everything else away in his life that's gone wrong. Um, and even if Chikai is like bad to the core, he wants to like basically believe in him because he's still his brother no matter what. And Chikai sensing this like weakness like smirks and like goes up to him and points his gun right at Toei's head. And says, like, you're, like, a little too good to be my brother. And bad, peoples are the one who's, who, bad people are the one who's who survive. Um, and so a gunshot goes off, which is, like, playing on our heartstrings for a second. But we immediately see that it was Taka, the other Yakuza, who shot Chikai from a distance. And Taka, like, starts to, like, celebrate. He's like, yeah, I got him! And then Chikai, like, immediately shoots him. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Chikai's mortally wounded. Like he, Toei's like, oh, we should go to a hospital. But he's like, no, there's no time. He like kind of flops down on the top of this boat as they're going down the river. And he's like, I had everything planned out. It would worked out if, if only you hadn't messed it up, Toei. And he like tries to give him some cash, to, like feed himself. And he says, it's like, oh, it's such a bitch trying to connect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he fucking dies like a sucker. Yeah, and like Toei like, pulls what the fuck. Yeah, he pulls that photo out of his brother's pocket that has like his whole family crossed out in black marker except for Toei. He's like the only one he ever cared about. And so it's like I have like a lot of conflicting emotions about this because like Chikai is so clearly a bad person, but at the same time he, he does die tragically, and he did care a lot about Toei. I mean, um, it's hard to not have some conflicting emotions with someone like you're going to have resentment and love there, which is, I think what's going on here. Yeah. It's, it is hard to understand what exactly he was thinking at the end though. Like, was he really wanting to be them to be together? Was he expecting that he was going to die all along? Mm -hmm. He seems like, he seems like he's just so fucked up by losing his parents and having to like resort to this life of crime to feed his family and his whole life mantra has like led him to this tragic end. And there was just nothing that could be done to turn him away from it, I guess. So in a way it is tragic, but at the same time he was a bad dude and he had this coming. Um, and then they play some sad piano music over like this flashback of images of like the two brothers as they're growing up, basically like playing soccer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Toei like is remembering all this and like at the end he takes this backpack full of cash throws it all into the river and like screams like fuck uh, cause yeah the, the only thing he truly cared about anymore is according to Toei anyway just left the world uh, and so the only thing left is to go back to his two friends I suppose but yeah ah <sighs> Um, I like. I think Toei is going to be better off now that this like bleak influence is out of his life. But it sucks because it was his only remaining family, really. And so now he has to start over again with like Kazuki and Enta, probably. And those are going to have to have to be his family now. Uh, it's a pretty sad episode, honestly. Yeah. But yeah. Would either of you rather spend an entire weekend with Sybil from? Uh 
Carol on Tuesday rather than watch another episode of this show. No, no it's a fucking absolutely good not. show, Leo. <laughs> absolutely you. not. I would have spent like two minutes with Sabelle from Carol Tuesday. Holy shit. She's so creepy. I would absolutely do it just so I would not have to watch another episode. She is creepy, though. Like, Sabelle is weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So I'm curious... I guess I guess I, I I sort of know in the immediate future where the show is going. There's going to be this like Kepi versus Dark Kepi showdown, and Reu trying to save Mabu while Kazuki is trying to save Enta, um, and you know conflicting ideologies. So that's going to be interesting. And yeah, I, I I think I was right. I think there are only eleven episodes of Sarazami, so there's only two left. Um, I looked that up. So. Next episode should be pretty big if that's the case. Thank God. Uh, in all honesty, though, like the drama in this show is just so over the top for me that, mm-hmm. like, I my my mind just tells me, like, if this was the person I met in real life, it just fucking ignore them <laughs> because they're being so over dramatic. Don't pay attention to them at all. And that's <laughs> like that's how I watch this show, and I watch it like that, and I just. I'm glancing over at one of my other two screens and I just can't, can't stay focused. Cause I'm like, this is the worst way to react to whatever the fuck is going on right now. Calm down. Just fucking, I don't know, grab a notepad and write out your thoughts just to get it out of you or something. <laughs> I, whatever you need to do to help. So like just watching it and I just, I can't help but shake my head the entire time this the episode is on because it's just like you you, everybody can handle this so much better. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be this emotional. Uh, I don't know. But like Just, some people are. Like some people need to express that stuff. Um, and these are definitely these type, those and, types and of that's, people. That's why I suggest, all right, grab a notepad, write it out, get it so it helps get you out of the system if that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not a person who overly expresses their emotions, which is me, but... It's just so when I see it just overdone and I feel like they're almost doing it to get attention, which is what Mm -hmm. drives me the craziest, which is what I feel like. I feel like they're doing this to get attention from the others. And I'm like, oh, no, I immediately cut you off. If you do, if I feel like you're doing something to get attention, I'm like, I'm not going to talk to you. I don't care what the fuck your problem is at this point in time. (laughs) Get away from me. You are making this way worse than the situation needs to be. They do seem like they're all making the situation, even like in the earlier lighter heart rate episodes, like Enta is like making things way worse than they need to be by just like not saying how he feels. That will turn me off more than damn near most anything, really. So, but I, that, that I feel like does not happen at all in Carol on Tuesday. I feel like that drama is like legit, like even Tuesdays, like, uh, her angstiness to like go on stage and stuff like that, or mm-hmm. like how she deals with Sybil or however you want to say her name. Like that's like a, a, a legit problem for her. And she's not doing it to get attention. She would rather not have the attention. And like, that's why I love this show so much more than the other one. Like, uh, this is how I like my drama. If we're going to do drama. Yeah. So. I, I will say, yes. Uh, Carol Tuesday's characters feel a bit more like real people rather than like hyper exaggerated 
emotionally at 100% okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. versions of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then uh, that's why I dig it, and that's why I cannot stand Sarasame. <laughs> it just drives me up the wall watching that episode. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> I enjoy Sarasame a lot. Like, I don't like some of the weirder, like, cartoony stuff, like, with the... Like, oh, it's shattered. Dancing. He has to be put back together, kind of. Thing. But I like the overall themes of the show. I, I do. I see. I, I think I was finding those cartoony segments to be like kind of a relief from like the dark emotional that, tone. That, that I get. No, yeah, yeah. The little bit of a comic relief, so to say. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk about Carol on Tuesday, uh, episode nine. Dancing Queen, you are the Dancing Queen. Yeah, it's the ABBA song. We all only seventeen. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> only seventeen. She's still a year younger. What the fuck? Don't worry. Even that's uh, questionable. <laughs> Leo, you will have another chance to sing a little bit later. So I'm let's... not going to fucking sing. You didn't sing for me. I'm not singing for you. Fuck you. Maybe we can you all take a line. Fucker. <laughs> so the girls have some downtime before the second round of the Mars Brightest competition. And Carol, uh, like, sort of like sneakily took the time to go shopping and she bought a gift. Uh, we also find out later in the episode that Tuesday's birthday is coming up. And it's never a mention again that Carol bought this gift. And what it's for, but I'm sure that's what it's for. Um, meanwhile, Tuesday's mother is making a campaign announcement in like the background, like a billboard screen. And, and she has before. But. Yeah, she she has done before, but this was like the most like specific one because it kind of talks about like what her policy like is or like what her like current issue is. And she's running for president of Mars, and her speech alludes the idea that Earth has been casting a shadow on all of Mars's decisions. So there's like mm-hmm. tension between Earth and Mars, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, and so Gus decides to have the girls watch the second part of oh, the wait, first wait, round. Wait. Oh, Carol, what? Carol yeah. guesses that she goes, "That's your mom, right?" Yeah, yeah. She, was in she politics. figures it out. Yeah. And Tuesday's like. Uh, yeah, and then Carol's like, holy shit, really? <laughs> Do you think that Mars is like a colony of Earth then? I don't know. I, I, like, it could be something like that where like Earth's laws apply to Mars and Mars doesn't have much say in it. Well, it uh, also makes like me wonder the, how much politics US. is going to come into later in the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which could be interesting. Um, I yeah. want more than 24 episodes of this. God damn it. <laughs> 24 is a good number I'm happy with that well, there's plenty of time to flesh all this stuff out so uh, Gus decides he's going to have the wa- girls watch the second part of the first round of the competition to like scope people out figure out who their competition is and so they go to the dressing room to just like hang out for a bit before things start and like as soon as she enters the dress room Tuesday is just like accosted by Sabelle who like hugs her and then sits her down she's like oh I need to brush your beautiful hair it's a little bit knotted um and then she then asks if they can form a new band called Sibel and Tuesday. Oh, I immediately was like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> yeah, right. Fuck you for su- suggesting this at all, let alone in front of Carol. Like, if yeah. Carol got up and clocked her, I'd have been like, you- you're in your right. <laughs> yeah, Carol's like surprisingly like reserved about this. She's like, I'm going to let Tuesday deal with this. But then even even it gets to a point where like she just drags Tuesday out of the dressing room saying, like, I need to speak with her and like. Asking, like, if, you, if you're, if you like, uncomfortable with this girl, like, you need to tell her. You need to speak up. And Tuesday's like, I don't know how to handle something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and that's one yeah. of my points. Like, that's legit her character. She doesn't know how to deal with these type of people. Right. This is not her over-dramatizing it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she's just so, never dealt with anything like this before. Yeah, like yeah. I think you said they seem so much more real. And then I, that's I think that's why I really like the show. So, yeah, and like yeah. Carol's first question that she asks her is even like a cynical one, like, "Oh, do you like this attention?" And she and Tusa's like, "No, no, no. It's just like I don't know what the hell I'm doing." <laughs> right. Right, right. So uh, it's funny because like Gus and Dahlia are both in the audience and they're, they're in the VIP seats and they like kind of like look at each other and then look away because they're angry and then they both just sit right next to each other <laughs> because like what else are they going to do? Um, and so yeah, Dahlia kind of like jibes him like how he must have come here because he was so interested in Angel and he's like, oh no, it's one of these other great performers I was dying to see. Um, <laughs> which we will quickly discover is definitely not the case. Uh, the, unfortunately, there's only one, and she's a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. So Angela's still bothered that uh, Tao hasn't bothered to come to this performance and orders like her assistant to go find him again. But it does, it does turn out he did show up, and he's like hanging out in the back of the auditorium with the camera guys. Um, but he might be there for a different reason entirely. But anyway, the round first pits uh, this performer named GGK versus the Mermaid Sisters, who we will definitely talk about. But GGK, so far as yeah. the first song, I did not like. Oh, like the GGK the, song? Yeah. Yeah. How she paced her lyrics, like, it felt so, like, stuttered, I guess, well, to it's, me. Well, it's intentional it's yeah. not stuttered it's like yeah hey, yeah no no it's how she was supposed to sing it but like it, it felt like an off beat in like a, a a drum set or something to me yeah it's like it a little grind, syncopated mm-hmm. it it's grinded against me and i was like thing. oh i do not like this at all i thought it was pretty cool so I, like she so she's got this she's weird also she has dark skin and elf ears and she tells the judges like oh i'm not singing i've been possessed by that like was, the oh, universe Jesus christ I was like, stop the bullshit <laughs> what i took from that like Catherine, like one of the judges like it says here you're like 13.8 billion and 22 years old <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm connected to the universe. My song's called Milky Way. I was just like, oh my god. So yeah, it's it's like a really slow, like Leo was saying, like syncopated, smooth jazz almost song with like this soft electronic beat underneath it. And like Carol and Tuesday are pretty entranced by her whole like, like her outfit is like glowing like a galaxy or something. Uh, and yeah, her vocals are sung by Madison McFerrin, who is the daughter of Bobby McFerrin, who's like this 10 time Grammy award winning jazz vocalist, smooth jazz guy. So that that was interesting. I, I thought that like, this was a really cool link. But um, the judges seem to like her song, saying it was like original and that she put her soul in. <laughs> well, you know, they can say whatever they want about it. You know? It felt like she was singing a different song over a different beat. It was. That's the point. <laughs> oh, it sounded like I sat here and I'm, I, I'm like, I couldn't help but cringe. It sounded so <laughs> wrong. I was like, this is not. This is no. She's singing in the wrong song to this song. It's almost basically like spoken, what I thought. Po- spoken word poetry accompanying a beat. Like, yeah, it's not that far away from that. And it comes from a musical tradition that has existed for a long time, but it is very Damn, not pop. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I also to like how to the, me, a, a, a uh, singer's voice is just another instrument in the band. Yeah, and then just like, just take a band without the singer to have like the the guitarist or the bass 
or even the drums doing something different is what that was to me. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? To, uh, to me, it's just like music can be almost anything. <laughs> like, uh, and so like if that uh, if, if that style there has of music, to be some flow. And to me, that was just like. Oh, there was definitely an flow. upstream and a downstream what you hitting think, each other. Leo, but yeah, that's I enjoyed cool. the song. Yeah. I thought I, it was a good yeah, song. Yeah, and I didn't. That's what I'm trying to explain. It was like a, yeah, yeah. a, a, a flow upstream and a flow but downstream. It's not, it's not your, and they were hitting, and I was like, style. oh. It's not what you enjoy. But there <laughs> yeah, are no, like other people, people will like connect with this music. Yeah, like other no, people will yeah. really connect with it. Yeah. And I'm saying this because I want to understand it more. I just, it's just, I I want to understand why you guys enjoyed it. And I was just like, like, what the did, did they fuck this up on purpose i actually just it thought like, it was like <laughs> very relaxing and put me in like an interesting frame of mind like her whole song is about how like she's like sort of connected to the universe and like it sounds like something you would write when you were like high on fucking lsd or something well, and that was the thing yeah. i couldn't even focus on the lyrics i was just like what the beat <laughs> of the lyrics was just so far off for me i was like what it reminded did, did- me of the like the kind of spacing of some poetry Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I, I like poetry a lot, so I think I like. I've never really listened to poetry, so that might be part of it. Well, for something completely different, the next act <laughs> up are the Mermaid Sisters. <laughs> yes. So they first they're asked like, "How did you guys get your group name?" I say guys, but they'll explain in a second that they respond that like the mermaids are neither human nor fish. Just like how um, uh, they are neither men nor women. So it's like more of that gender ambiguity on Mars here, like with this group. And they they even like say that they want to become a new type of human. And I, I when I heard new type, I immediately thought of like Gundam for a second. But I was like, okay, let's not think about Gundam. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like th- that's interesting that they're like wholly embracing that like gender fluidity in between the two genders. <laughs> It's definitely like a big theme of this show at this point with them and Dahlia. So they then launch into a barbershop quartet vocal harmony number that they snap their <laughs> fingers to like da 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 and which Leo is going to perform right now. Well, you mean all of us because it's a quartet. Sure. Oh, oh I guess we can try. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not going to do no. this to our, oh, yes, to our poor are. listeners. Oh, yes, we are. You said now, Leo. You said it. <laughs> Fucking bullshit, bullshit, cats. Fucking bullshit. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> Holy shit, oh fucker. We're not going to do this. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> fucking bullshit. Oh, man. It's so ridiculous. So, yeah. It's it just the scenes of, like, parents in the crowd covering their kids' ears and people just looking on like, what the fuck is going down right now? It's not Which even is- that much of a cuss word. It's like the most generic, boring cusses there is. Like, yeah, but the, my one of my first thoughts was, they passed auditions with this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, what? Oh, my God. And so they just go on for, like, an entire verse of just, like, motherfucker, goddamn bullshit, holy shit, fucking shit, son of a bitch. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like Catherine, the Simon Cowell-esque judge, is just like, imme- like yells at them to just stop. After <laughs> she like, like snaps a pen in her hand, like, <laughs> God damn it. In, in real life, she would have ink everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And like, so GGK like almost wins by default because like Catherine's like, yeah, you guys had great harmony, but like utterly terrible lyrics. And uh, the mermaid sisters get real pissed and they call Catherine like a fucking hag and tell her that these lyrics are, quote, who we are. 
Yep. <laughs> so what you are is fucking bullshit. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> like, oh my god. And so they, they start wrecking the stage and like tearing shit down, throwing shit at the judges, and they have to go to commercial. Um so when we come back from that, Sabelle pretends to be like nervous before her performance and takes advantage of Tuesday to get like a hug. And then when she's hugging her, like just bites her on the neck like a fucking vampire, leaving like okay. teeth marks. So she marked her. Yeah. So first off, <laughs> this this is really creepy and fucked up. Yes. But Tuesday has for a while been feeling creeped out by Cybelle. Mm-hmm. And she did not want to hug Cybell, but she did it. Anyway. She did it anyway because she's like, I see that this person needs help. Which is Tuesday's character, yes. Yeah, I, it fits. I feel like this is a lesson in when you aren't comfortable with someone, do not allow them to continue to push you for things. Yeah, Cybell's like praying yeah, on her Yeah, you remind me of the time I yeah. met Kat and she hugged me and bit me. Fight you. <laughs> I just want to eat you up, Leo. <laughs> You're like, oh no. And I'm like, yes, Leo. Yes. God, yeah, it's just almost nothing pisses me off more than like people taking advantage of other people's like goodwill. And like, yeah. so that, that scene like really pissed me off. Like, that was such a overstepped as line. As much as Sybil well, makes, makes us it, feel it makes uncomfortable, it, that like, that's just a good character being written really sure because that's Cybele how we're supposed to feel about her seem like tuesday allowed it to happen or like tuesday asked for it yeah she's bull- and that she's also was shit. Shit. yeah but bullshit. tuesday didn't know she was going to get bitten come on yeah no. well but but she later pretends as if like oh i've already marked you and how yeah. cruel of you and and she almost like she twists the situation. It, it was really fucked up. Yeah, she's just so self-censored. Centered. It's ridiculous. Censored. Censored. Not censored at all. <laughs> Not censored uh, at all. Yeah. So the the real reason we find out that Tao came to the performance was he wanted to get a chance to speak with Carol on Tuesday if they were there. So he finds out they're there and he goes up to them and immediately just asks them like a few questions. He's like, who writes your songs? And they're like, oh, we do. And then he's like, do you use AIs? And they're like, no, we don't. <laughs> and then he's like, Hmm. He seems like kind of annoyed and then he just leaves. And he like leaves the whole event. He doesn't even like stay for Angela's performance. That's all he wanted to know because he he clearly saw their performance on TV last episode. So he basically did what Angela did the last episode. He basically was just like, all right, I recognize you have talent. Right. And I see you as somewhat of a rival. So, yeah. Yeah, he he needs to figure out what their deal is because if he's going to make Angela the biggest star, he needs to know how to defeat any rival that comes in her way i guess too so he probably doesn't consider them that much of a threat because they don't use ai he probably's like oh they probably won't go that far i think the fact that he asked if they used ai and they didn't Mm -hmm. i feel like that confirms that he was like shit the lyrics are actually kind of good yeah or maybe Uh, there's something that's missing from his algorithms yeah yeah, maybe i should be worried or, or or just like you just said now yeah the algorithms maybe i need to tweak some some more work into that yeah yeah and so uh, Angela's, like, pissed at Tao for leaving early, but, like, Dahlia gets her, like, concentrate on her performance. But Sabelle is up first, and she's going to sing a song in French because she wants to express beauty, which she believes can only be expressed by young people before their spark fades. This is such a bizarre... I don't know how to think about this. Yeah, she's I like, I want to leave something beautiful behind before I, like, disappear. 
It's such a weird before I get old is what she fucking said. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of wondering if she's like a vampire or something like literally like it's so weird. I don't know. Well, Um, it's a shame that she's so creepy and like twisted because she has such a great sound. Mm hmm. And it's it's also weird. This is like apparently her first time ever performing in front of an audience. But she's like, oh, I've been blessed by a goddess, so I'll be fine. Which is Tuesday, who she bit. Um, And so, yeah, she sings this French song called La Ballade, which is like a French kind of electropop love ballad about like a love that's about complete devotion, like a blood oath. And like finding like a world with this person that's like eternally snowing and like dying there with them is basically what the show's the yeah, song's this about. Is the, this is the second song where I didn't really like. I, this mm-hmm. one though, I think if I listen to it a couple more times, I may be turned on to it and make a l- like it a little bit more. But like I've loved every song up till this episode, and suddenly two songs came out that I like. I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. This may be one of the first anime albums i ever buy <laughs> oh you didn't buy oh, megalobox megalobox no, is I'm, fucking I wasn't amazing as into it as you guys were but i was i'm very into almost all of the songs it's got work so much to, variety to it as well work out to yeah. megalobox's soundtrack it is fucking yeah. phenomenal most of their songs but yeah, this yeah this vocalist is an artist named Micah Lubte, who like I guess has a studio in Tokyo, is like multicultural as well, um, and very interesting voice. But uh, yeah, so finally Angela takes the stage after her and sings a fully produced version of the like Move Mountains song or Moving Mountains, whatever. When she, she sang that like acapella for like the hedge fund guy earlier. And her voice is, like, the perfect example of that, like, pristine pop radio voice you hear on, like, any top hits station with, like, the perfect amount of auto-tune and, like, you know, just, like, the perfect register. And, like, she just blows it out of the water, basically. And, like, the audience gives her, like, a resounding applause. And the judges are like, oh, it's a really tough decision, but... We underestimated you, Angela, the person who is the star of the show and bringing them all the attention. You're not just a model anymore. You're a singer. Uh, It does feel like it's unfair to put anyone against Angela because they knew she was going to be, you know, moved up. Because it's like hard to say, like, who had the better song between Sibel and Angela. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I would probably go with Sibel's song, honestly. Yeah. But like, oh no, 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 no! One hundred percent Angela, way well, over Sibel's song. If you, you want to make unique. money, you go with Angela's song, a hundred percent. Yeah, like but if like, you want to put Sibel's something on the radio, song was more interesting. And I don't know, I, I don't I, know. I, 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 give I, it feel, like, I feel like they should, yeah. if they were gonna play it, like it was rigged. They should have yeah. put her against someone that they knew wasn't gonna pass in the first place, like. um the mermaid sisters. The mermaid sisters or something. <laughs> so that it wouldn't be so cruel to that, whoever. That's too ridiculous. <laughs> um, I will say, like, I will give Angela props because, like, I thought her pop song sounded like it could almost be on the radio. Like, it was good enough. No, it that, it yeah. was honestly, like, uppity and kind of upbeat and, like, really nice. Mm. And I was honestly surprised by Sibyl's, Sibyl's reaction to losing. I expected, like, some type of breakdown. But Me too. that's not what we got at all. She just like runs to like try to hug Tuesday and say like, oh, we'll just have to play together next time we'll, with our new band. And like Tuesday's like, look, I'm really devoted to my own band right now. I don't think I can do both. 
And that's when Sabelle kind of like throws a hissy fit and like, it's like, I even marked you. Blah, blah, I know, blah. Like, like, like she did it on purpose and, and Tuesday asked for it or something, which pissed me off even more. <laughs> when she said marked you, I was like, did you pee on her too? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, <laughs> no, it's that she like storms off and that's the end. So that's the end of the, the first round. So Angela and uh, GGK move on to the next one. So it's also interesting. a shame because you you know that no matter who's against Angela, there Angela will win. It's just annoying. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Um, and I we, don't know. Yeah. I think it's leaving that slightly up to interpretation. So maybe. Well, not. I mean, maybe Carol and Tuesday because they are the stars of this anime. But you know that no matter who else is against her, Angela will win. They will mm-hmm. pass Angela, and that's kind of shitty. So I think this arc ends with. Angela winning Mars Brightest, but believing that Carol and Tuesday should have won <laughs> is probably how this is going to go. Because, mm. like, that just seems like it makes the most sense. Uh, I don't or, like, know. the fans, like, against the judges. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, and then, like, there's a growing, like, support for Carol and Tuesday. And, like, Angela feels like she has to prove something, even though she won. And, yeah, that'll be in, that'll be really interesting to see. Like, it could be a thing where, like, Carol and Tuesday get, like, a massive applause from the audience and Angela doesn't. But, like, the judges still think she was better or something like that. Though, usually okay. in those types of shows, like, the audience can determine a lot. Uh, so, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Out of these eight shows between you two, what is the one show that makes you want to watch in that? next episode more than anything else right now attack on titan uh really because it's in the middle of such a crazy arc at the beginning of the season it would definitely would have been carol on tuesday but attack on titan and also demon slayer have been like so good lately that i've been really excited about both of those um okay so those two what about you cat attack on titan is probably the most interesting right now because of like the cliffhanger um, but Carol and Tuesday, I think is the most overall good show. Me too. Yeah. I think it's the better show right now, even, even as good as attack on Titan has been, but yeah. Okay. So like I'm on board with attack on Titan, but I will say follow next by demon slayer, mm-hmm. but really it's Jojo and Carol and Tuesday that take this stuff, mm-hmm. the top spot for me. That makes sense. Like yeah. I finish an episode and I'm just like, I'll just watch the next five minutes of the next episode. <laughs> it's like what I tell myself because I'm like, I really want to know what happens. Yeah. Like yeah. I have the next episode, Carol on Tuesday, saved right now. I see the icon on my desktop and all I have to do is <laughs> click it to watch it. And it, it hurts so hard not to do it. Does it hurt, Leo? Poor Leo. <laughs> Poor Leo. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Oh man, that episode was definitely not bullshit. I feel bad for no. Mermaid Sisters. They were they were really interesting characters. I hope we see more of them someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three of them were dressed up in drag, and yeah, then there and the was other just one was like not. the one, yeah. just not just shirtless with boxers pulled up all the way up his ass crack and pants sagging. <laughs> but it's interesting. All right, <sighs> I think that's it for this podcast. You want to take us out, Leo? I think it should be uh, Leo started. It's cat. It was a cat. Yeah, it's me. Because oh. we're worried about finding out what the fuck is in her basement. It's <laughs> his right. eye. 
Leave it to me to not trust my own document that I made. I know. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube to get updates on new podcasts or videos. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or like any fucking podcast app. Like, it's on there. It They all get the same shit. Follow us on Twitter at NerdDimAnother for updates as well. Hang out on our fucking Discord. Come on, do it. You like it. I promise. Kat says that, but she never says anything. It's only me and Beacom. It's true. Okay, that's not true. It's true. It's all true. (laughs) Oh, you asshole. All of it. I'm going to be extra fucking present now. Just to kick kick your ass. My ploy worked. (laughs) Fucking liars. Anyway, the link is in the description. Come be on our fucking Discord. And with that, we'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye, you guys. Bye. (laughs)